1: What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. What up? Ah, Z Bot here with you. Live Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel on a Monday night. A victory list. Monday night. Stop me if you've heard that before. You've heard it for the first nine weeks. You didn't hear it four times the entire 2022 season. Welcome to the 23 Buffalo Bills, folks. Good to have you in here. Buffalo Bills lose to the Cincinnati Bengals last night. 28 to 14. This is the smoke break. This is the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel, and this is going to be your standard therapy session after yet another Bills blunder here in this year's season. We have nine games under our belt, four losses, but I would argue that six of them felt like losses. And when you look at the schedule coming up ahead, not a whole lot to be overly, uh, what's the word? optimistic excited whatever about this is uh a real low point certainly the lowest point under josh allen outside of of course the first year where there was zero expectations ever since there's been expectations for the buffalo bills this is the lowest part uh, of that era and uh it's a real tough pill to swallow but one we're gonna have to and we're going to swallow many pills tonight Pro- proverbial pills of course although i mean Right now, I, I, I feel like I need at least a bottle of Advil at the, at the minimum in order to be able to, to get the recurring thoughts out of my head of where the Buffalo Bills currently sit. Because where the Buffalo Bills do currently sit is outside of the playoff picture, folks. I want to take you back to a time, uh, a very dark period, uh, which is almost my entire life as a Buffalo Bills fan, a very, very bleak era in which these Buffalo Bills could not make the playoffs. They could not break 500, but they could not be worse enough to ever get a draft pick worthy of relaunching this fan, uh, this, uh, this franchise back to any sort of prominency. And I want you to go back to that time period. And I want you to remember one of the most exhilarating aspects of that time period. You remember what that was? I remember it'd be watching, you know, whoever was a contender at the time, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the new England Patriots, New Orleans Saints, Indianapolis Colts. You'd watch the good teams, and then, of course, they'd bring up the playoff graphic to show you where those teams were laid out. It would either be, you know, Patriots one seed, Colts two seed. Up oh, There's the Steelers. There's the, the Ravens. And then you'd look over to the right side. You'd look over to that right side, and you'd get a little smile on your face, and you'd see three words. In the hunt. And there you'd see the blue, red, and white. And you'd think to yourself, there's always a chance. And of course, that chance didn't come for almost two decades. And now that we've gotten to the point with this franchise where you would have imagined you would never see in the hunt again, unless Josh Allen unfortunately got injured or at some point is no longer with this team, you had never anticipated seeing the Bills in the hunt, especially at this time right now where the Bills are supposed to be in the Super Bowl window, not in the hunt, but in the Super Bowl window as it stands today, if the season ended going into week 10, the Buffalo bills would not be in the playoffs. I want to ask you a question. If I told you the Buffalo bills did not show up in the first half, got completely outclassed by their opponent for 30 minutes of football to kick the game off. If I told you that the opposing team ran the scoreboard up, took a dominating lead into the half, the bills had absolutely no momentum. The bills had absolutely no rhythm on offense And the Bills looked like they were inevitably going to lose this game. Then I told you we go into the second half and the Bills defense starts to step up. Bills defense is able to hold the opposing team into a situation where it feels like the offense is going to have a chance. Third quarter goes by the Bills offense still really does nothing. Maybe it's a bit better than the first half, but not by much. And then the fourth quarter starts and all of a sudden Bills offense that we know and love is here. They're tic-tac-telling the ball down the field. Josh Allen's playing like his hair's on fire. He's running all over the field. They're scoring touchdowns. But all of a sudden, you realize the Bills pulled the parachute out 10 feet before they were about to hit the ground. If I told you that, what game would you be thinking of?
2: There's no right answer because there's at least six answers.
1: Well, at least four. You could argue maybe more. But it's incredible that when I laid that out, that entire scenario, there is not one definitive answer. There are multiple answers. And last night's just one more answer on that, on that multiple choice sheet. Remember back in school, those questions where it was all of the above? If I told you that the Bengals game was on that multiple choice sheet, if I told you that the Jacksonville Jaguars game was on that score sheet, if I told you that the New York Jets game was on that score sheet, New England Patriots game was on that score sheet, and I gave you an option all the way at the bottom that said all of the above, That's the correct answer handed into the Professor A+. These Buffalo Bills have played almost identical football in the majority of all of their games outside of a three-game stint that today makes absolutely no sense. It is an utter anomaly, what we saw in weeks two, three, and four. That team is gone with no signs of showing back up, and if you're still clinging to that today, I feel bad for you. You have no leg to stand on today to argue that this team belongs in any conversation with the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Baltimore Ravens, the Jacksonville Jaguars, because I'm here to tell you that the Buffalo Bills are closer to the Las Vegas Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Houston Texans than they are to those aforementioned teams that are currently at the top of the AFC. I'm sorry to break it to you if that's not a realization you've already come to, but it's one
2: you need to come to. Because that's the reality today.
1: They have a half a season to change that reality. But as it stands today, November 6, 2023, nine games in to the 2023 NFL season, that's what these Buffalo Bills are. Now, you don't go into a season expecting the Super Bowl every year. Of course you expect that, you know, they're going to make a run, but we know better. We don't go into the season thinking it's only all we have to do is win this. I mean, all we're going to do is win the Super Bowl. We know what's going to happen. We might tell ourselves that, but we know in the back of our mind that, you know, the odds of that happening are slim to none. This is the best odds we've had, but we know there's only one team at the end of the year that can go home happy. You go into the season, however, every year with Josh Allen expecting to be a threat for the one seed at the bare minimum, two, three, four seed. You don't go into the season expecting to be in the hunt going into week 10. You don't expect the first week in November to be a game above 500 with more losses than you had the entire year a season ago. This Buffalo Bills team is a shell of itself today. It's a shell of what we thought they were going to be. It's a shell of what they were a year ago and two years ago and whatever else. When they should have been ascending, they have been going towards the
2: floor. And it's sad because I don't really have the ultimate reason as to why. I don't.
1: The one thing you would look at if I told you that this team lost two all pros on defense and an emerging player who was dominating for this team in Daquan Jones, if I told you the Bills lost major pieces on defense and continue to do so weekly. And you hadn't watched the games, but I told you the Bills, who have had a top-five defense almost the entire reign of the McDermott era here, if I told you that they lost some heavy hitters on that team, you'd probably think the reason the Bills aren't having the greatest year is because their defense has probably fallen flat. That's not the case. And that, to me, is what's the most sickening aspect of this downfall the Buffalo Bills are currently experiencing. The Buffalo Bills have half a practice squad playing defense right now, and that unit is showing an infinite amount more heart, grit, effort, than the offense with the all-pro quarterback and near 100% health.
2: I don't have an answer for you today because there is not a definitive answer. And that's the scariest
1: part. If you looked at this team and could pinpoint exactly what the problem was, you might feel better about them turning it around. We know the problem is the, entire, the entirety of the landscape in which this offense is currently displaying. But why they're displaying what they are, I don't know if anybody has a damn clue. Of course, everybody shoots off their Ken Dorsey arrow and their Josh Allen arrow and their McDermott arrow and whatever else but nobody has any real clue. The only thing we know, and this is a fact at this point, the trend that started in the Jets game deviated for three weeks and has come back with full rage is beyond a trend. It is who the Buffalo Bills are. You are halfway through the season. If you were to describe the Buffalo Bills at the halfway point, We're not two, three games in here, folks. We're halfway through the entirety of the schedule. If you were to describe these bills, you'd say mediocre to maybe below mediocre. You'd say average at best.
2: And your one highlight beating the shit out of a Miami
1: Dolphins team who's as bad as the Buffalo Bills are today. The Miami Dolphins are the most fraudulent team. Maybe in the entire league, certainly in the AFC, but the Bills are 1B. And that was our big W. And what do we do? And I do it too. We all rag on the Dolphins for not being able to beat a quality opponent, which they can't. Neither can the Buffalo Bills. To the credit of the Miami Dolphins, at least they beat every single shit team that comes their way. Bills can't say that. The best team the Bills have beat this season is the Dolphins, and the Dolphins can't beat a good team. Halfway through the season, what's your highlight so far? It would be that. Or maybe it would be drubbing Jimmy Garoppolo and the now-fired Josh McDaniels. Maybe it would be drubbing the Washington Commanders who just sold two of their best defensive starters to try and revamp this team in the draft. There's your highlights, folks. Or maybe it was the epic comeback against Tyrod Taylor under the lights in a 14-9 win.
2: This is embarrassing. And I don't exactly know
1: why. But what I do know is I look ahead to this schedule. And if you think the Bills have struggled thus far, strap in your seatbelt. And hopefully the airbags are working. Because what they got ahead of them is twice as hard as what they've left behind. And they crawled through that and barely were able to get out above 500. Denver Broncos coming to town this coming week, Monday night football for the world to see again. Of course, now that's the biggest, that's the biggest sadness of this whole thing as well, is that it's on a national stage now, every single one of these games. And it has been. And that's a Denver Broncos team that the Vegas, the Vegas odds currently have the Bills as an eight-point favorite, seven-and-a-half-point favorite. <laughs> Folks, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make the Bills a touchdown favorite against anybody right now. Anybody. And that's also a Denver Broncos team who I watched a week ago hold Patrick Mahomes to maybe the worst game he's ever played and not score a single touchdown, and they beat him by uh, two scores. People telling me, "Oh, the get-right games next week." Well, the get-right game was supposed to be the Bucks. The get-right game was supposed to be the Giants. The get-right game was supposed to be this, that, and the third.
2: <laughs> what more do you need to see?
1: What more do you need to see to stop? Believing that this team is all of a sudden going to make our hopes and dreams come true. I understand and commend optimism. It's far better than being pessimistic. Unfortunately for me, I'm far more often more pessimistic than optimistic, but you want to know the, 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 the harsh truth about being pessimistic. Most of the time, unfortunately, a lot of the times because you can see through the BS now, there's certain times where it's much better to be optimistic, and I appreciate those who are like that. My fiancé's like that; that's what keeps me sane. Where I, where I might be pessimistic, she finds the silver lining. But that's, of course, in certain situations where it makes sense to be optimistic and maybe you're just being a prick. But right now, where is the argument, the sensical argument, that makes even a lick of sense in regard to being optimistic about the future of the Buffalo Bills throughout the duration of the remainder of this season? If you have a sound, legitimate argument with numerous takes
2: or with numerous points, send it my way. I'd love to read it. I'm
1: not even remotely kidding. I need to know where people today find a way to continue to be optimistic moving forward. What the hell? Every week is bullshit.
2: I got the stat page up. I got, the, I got the ads muted. And then out of nowhere, it'll just scream at me. Every week?
1: Here's the craziest part. And there's a million crazy things about being a fan. I mean, I got a, I got a trillion mental illnesses when it comes to this team. You couldn't even, you couldn't even write them down on a, on a piece of paper. You, you, would, need, you would need a... <clears throat> You need a Rolodex to write down the issues that I have when it comes to this team and and what they do to me personally, physically, whatever the hell. But you want to know what last night was? And it's a perfect example of things that I think happened a lot to a lot of fan bases. Last night to me was one of those moments where I knew exactly what was going to happen last night. I didn't have a prayer in the world that that Bill's team was going to go into Cincinnati and win that game yesterday. I just watched the Bengals beat the ever-living piss out of the 49ers last week while the Bills struggled to get out against Tampa Bay, who rookie C.J. Stroud just put up 500 yards on and damn near 40 points yesterday. And I'm supposed to believe that a Cincinnati team, after a rough start, has been absolutely humming is going to lose to the Buffalo Bills at home after what they've displayed through the first month, two months of football here, you're out of your mind. But what do I do? Soon as that game kicks off, what I think and what I know is gone, and I'm bought in. And of course, exactly what I thought would happen is exactly what winds up happening. And it's back to the age-old adage, and that's, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. Last night, the best way to put it, if you want an analogy, it would be you're a parent of a teenage kid, and you're hoping they don't smoke pot, but you were a kid once, as they all say, and your kid comes home, and he's smelling like a little bit of the ganj. Maybe you find a couple of dubes in his sock drawer. You're not
2: mad. You're disappointed. You're not going to lash out at him. Hell, you baked a couple cars out when you were a kid. Maybe a couple more than you should have. But you'd wish better for the kid,
1: right? Maybe he's not going to do what I did. Maybe he's not going to light him up. But you're understanding, at least if you're level-headed. I know a lot of people aren't. But that's what last night was to me. Last night was hoping my kid wouldn't come home after he said he was uh, just going for a walk. I was hoping maybe he could come home and not smell like star buds out in Denver, Colorado,
2: but he does. He comes home and he reeks.
1: And of course dad looks at you and he says, but up to anything fun today? Well, mom is absolutely oblivious. Dad's laughing. You're having a panic attack eternally trying to get out of this situation, which in the moment feels like it is going to be the most difficult thing you've ever experienced in your life. You know, that's what last night was last night was going in thinking, man, I just, I, I hope they shock me, but I don't expect them to. And then they answer immediately on offense. The second drive in a way that I honest to God, it wasn't like it was a struggle that Bill's offensive drive. The first drive they had had me thinking, okay, you know what? Is it going to be, is that going to be the game tonight? Cause that big, that Bengals secondary is phenomenal. Bengals defense is better than they're given credit for. Bills worked them on that first drive, worked them all the way down the field, capped it off on first and goal, which I feel like they rarely do. I feel like it takes at least two, three plays on the goal line for this Bill's team to punch it in. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, maybe, you know, this is going to be maybe an an NFL version of what we watched the other night, Saturday night with uh, USC and Washington. Maybe that's what this is going to be. After that drive, Josh Allen would not complete a pass until the two-minute
2: warning-ish time of the first half. The Buffalo Bills would not score another touchdown until almost the end of the game. The Buffalo Bills would not run the ball more than 10 times. And they'd turn the ball over twice. The crazy
1: aspect to me about last night is Cincinnati, and it's kind of tough to think this because at times they looked like they might win 35 to 7. When you kind of break it down, they didn't play all that great. They didn't come out and play a game where you're looking at them and thinking throughout the entirety of the game, yeah, they're going to just blow this out of the water. The Bills' defense adjusted, made made the most out of a shit situation they're currently in and kept that game competitive. The Bengals had multiple opportunities to just annihilate the Bills and completely end that game way earlier than it was ended. Yet, similar to the Jacksonville game, a banged-up Bills defense who continuously makes play after play after play and gives the offense a chance to go and do the same The offense just does not do it
2: at all. And frankly, they don't even come close to it until the fourth quarter. One completion
1: for Josh Allen, or the next completion for Josh Allen after that first drive didn't come until almost halftime. That ought to be illegal if it isn't already. I mean, someone ought to pay for that crime last night. And I think I know who you're going to tell me needs to pay for it. And I'm starting to get to the point where, you know what? I don't even care who it is anymore. Someone's got to pay for this. Someone needs to get canned. I I don't know who it is. I don't care who, I don't care. It could be a guy on the coaching staff I've never heard of before in my life. I just feel like something's got to give here. Because if you're going to continue to keep going back to the well, which they have time and time again, I already listed off five games that have been damn near identical performances. You're going to continue to do this. Well, you know, sell the team because you're clearly not putting in any effort to improve the situation. You're
2: doing the same shit every every week. Something's got to give. I'm
1: not one to advocate for somebody getting canned because I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know today who, what, what, what the answer is. I don't know if Josh Allen just not doing what the offense is supposed to be doing. And, and, and that's the reason it looks so bad. I don't know if it's because Ken Dorsey is, is just awful. I don't know if it's because the bills don't have a wide receiver core like Cincinnati has last night and you watch that game and you just, it looks so much easier for Joe Burrow to operate an offense than it does for Josh Allen. It just looks so much easier. There's so many places to go along the field and it doesn't feel that way for Josh Allen. I don't know if it's the fact that the Buffalo bills would have an easier time scoring points on special teams than they would scoring points running the football. But what I think I do know is I think it's just a gigantic concoction of all of that. So I, I don't know. The problem is I feel like somebody's got to pay for this and I don't know who it is. I don't know. That's the scary thing. It's like what I just said. It's if you're not going to improve on this, then what, what are we doing here? Right. You know, what, what, what's, what's, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? How to improve on it though would require Knowing what it is that needs to be improved on, and I don't know if we found a way to pinpoint exactly what that is yet. Brandon Bean said last week in a presser that he does not think that this team has found an identity, folks. It's week 10. And I know what their identity is. This Buffalo Bills' identity is: hey, Josh Allen. If you don't go out there and get the offensive player of the week for the AFC, we're probably going to either lose or win by a point or two against the dog shit team. That's the bill's identity. The bill's identity is the defense overachieving, which I think is the most impressive aspect of this team right now. Yeah, the, the bill's defense overachieving. Meanwhile, the offense continues to fall flat on their face in situations where you'd expect them to do the opposite. That's the identity. It's not that they don't have an identity. It's just that when you don't have a good identity, there's, the answer is we don't have an identity. They have an identity. Right now, they are a team that cannot function in the first half, that cannot make adjustments in the first half, that cannot put points up until it's far too late. And they're a team right now that just does not stack up against
2: the cream of the crop in this league. I watched the Baltimore Ravens yesterday.
1: Be a division leader in the Seattle Seahawks. Like that team was a Juco football team. Like that team was an FBS relegated division one football team. Humiliated defensive coach, Pete Carroll. In a disgusting fashion, just annihilated them. I watched them do the exact same thing to maybe the second best team in the NFC, the Detroit Lions, the week before or two weeks before, whatever it was. and. What I like to do when I, when I think about the Bills and where I think they stack up, I like to compare them to who I think is the best in the league. Whenever we've played Baltimore, I've been very confident because the Bills have been one of the best teams since the Lamar Jackson era started to in defending Lamar Jackson. And I've always been confident in the Bills' ability to compete against them. I think the, the, the Baltimore Ravens would beat the Buffalo Bills today by at least three touchdowns. It's not close.
2: So I'm looking at it today,
1: and I'm I'm wondering I'm, I'm wondering what to even make of the rest of the way here. They get in, which which right now I I gotta be honest, man. When it comes to the playoffs, <laughs> the Vegas odds right now are dead even. It's it's a pick 'em for the Bills to make the playoffs. It's a pick 'em. If you don't know what that means, it means it's equal odds to not make it and to make it. Equal odds, 50-50, coin flip. And I got to tell you guys, I'm looking at this schedule, and I don't, I don't know. I think our best hope is the Dolphins continuing to dolphin, dolphin it up, and it comes down to week 18, which will ultimately be a playoff game, and the Bills somehow win the division. That, of course, is if the Jets disappear, which if they win tonight, you know, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say it. You know it. I can't
2: say it. I can't bring myself to say it.
1: I know I said this last week. I'll say it again because still, I still can't I can't even believe it. I have to say it in order to be able to um, accept my own reality at this point. I want you to get in your time machine. I want you to go back to the Dolphins game, okay? Could you, in your right mind, have imagined when that Dolphins game concluded, looking in the mirror and having the reflection look back at you and say, hey, bud, a month from now, a little less than maybe, Bills are going to be out of the playoffs if the season ended that day.
2: I have never seen such a drastic switch.
1: And the weird thing is, is that it started this bad. And this is where I think the false optimism comes from, from people. And this is where I do get it to to a degree. And I think I feel bad for those, the people who think this way. I feel bad for them in the sense that I think that They are waiting to see what they have seen again. And I would understand if if you had not seen the Bills compete at a high level this year. I wouldn't understand where you're getting the thought that they're going to all of a sudden do it. The sickening aspect is how they were able offensively. I understand the difference in defense. This team is not the same defensively without Matt Milano. It never has been and never will be but that this defense is still playing every single week other than the patriots game i'd argue this bills defense has been the reason they could win a game far more than they were a reason they were going to lose the game in the bills four losses or let's 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 even go further in the bills four losses and their two should have been maybe losses who cares they won
2: victories because they were so bad all Six of them,
1: except for the Patriots game, the defense was phenomenal, or at least phenomenal for the vast majority of the football game. In all six of those games, the offense was essentially the exact same. They showed up for about 20 to 30% of the football game.
2: And to have seen a three-week stint where they could not be, it was unbelievable what they were
1: doing. And I understand it was against the Commanders and the Raiders and the Dolphins, but they couldn't do it against the Giants. They couldn't do it against the Bucks. right? They couldn't do it against New England. Three teams we would consider on the same level as the, as the Commanders and the Raiders. They didn't do it again once, not even close,
2: not even a little close. So I think where people
1: are at today that are still, hey man, rah, rah, still got a long way to go. I think where they're getting that from, maybe if you're not getting it from this, I don't know what the hell you're getting it from. Really? I really don't. Once again, I'll say what I said earlier, send me the reasoning. I'm not trying to be facetious at all. I want to know the thought behind it. And it's got to be legit. It's got to be good. Like, if it's just a, we got Josh Allen,
2: then don't, please don't send it to me. Don't send it to me, please.
1: In that stretch, I think people look back and they think that's what this team is capable of and they can do it again. But the thing of it is, is they haven't come even close to doing it again in a month. And as we know in the NFL, Each week is like, the NFL is like dog years. A month ago, you would have said the San Francisco 49ers are unbeatable. I'm not sure anybody this entire year is going to beat them. You would have said the Buffalo Bills are an easy top three team in this league. You would have said the Miami Dolphins might score 40, 50 plus points a game. I don't know who's stopping that offense. Uh, You would have said the Cincinnati Bengals aren't going to make the playoffs. They look like one of the worst teams in the league. Um, you would have said the New York Jets might not win another football game. Every single one of those scenarios has completely 180'd. Every single one of them. Not just a little deviation, a complete
2: 180 within a month.
1: So I know people look back and, hey, hey it was only a month ago the Bills put up 48 against the Dolphins and they put up Almost 40 against the Commanders and the Raiders. Yeah, but a month ago is about a year in this game. That month ago is a long, long time ago. And you haven't seen a shred to convince you it's going to come back anytime soon. And I go back again to trying to find the reason that we still think this team is a dominant football team, and everybody's answer would be the Miami Dolphins game. They're not a good football team. I have paid my rent three consecutive months on taking the opposing team in a Dolphins game in which they're playing a team that is even remotely decent. I'm not over-exaggerating either. I've done it with them, and I've done it with the Dallas Cowboys. It is the easiest money I've ever made in my life. Cowboys against the Niners, Cowboys yesterday against the Eagles, and then, of course, the Dolphins against the Bills, the Dolphins against the, uh, the Eagles, and the Dolphins yesterday once again against the Chiefs. When it's that easy, when it's that predictable, you're not a good football team. Or at least you're not good enough to where everybody wants to claim that you're, you know, a Super Bowl contender or a deep playoff team. Everybody looks at Dallas, they want to say that about Dallas. They're not. They haven't been since the Bills were last in the Super Bowl. Yet every year you hear it's Dallas's year. It's Dallas's year. And I said this earlier on the AFC East Roundtable, and I'll say it again. The Bills are becoming the AFC version of the Dallas Cowboys, which is sickening because the Dallas Cowboys, at least to me, are one of my most despised team in all of sports. I really don't have any reason for it. I just can't stand Dallas. Never have, never will. The Miami Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills are becoming the AFC uh, iteration of, the, of the, the Dallas Cowboys, where every year you're going to now hear that they're going to be one of the better teams, they're going to be competitive, right? But all of a sudden, in these big moments, they, they don't deliver, and they really haven't. The Miami Dolphins certainly haven't. The Bills have done it far more often than the, than the Dolphins have, but really, what do they have to show for it? A couple of division titles? One AFC, uh, one AFC championship appearance that they got the ever-living ship beat out of them
2: in? I mean, that's what we're hanging our hat on. And what's the best way to describe that?
1: The word would be fraudulent, right? And we, if we think the Miami Dolphins are fraudulent today, which I do, uh, I mean, I guess it all depends on how you, how you view a team. Plenty of people view the Miami Dolphins as one of the best teams in football. They're not. You are not one of the best teams in football if every time you play a team above 500, you get waxed. <clears throat> in the Buffalo Bills scenario, you are not one of the best teams in football if every time you play a decent defense, you can't figure it out on offense at all. You can't score. You're not one of the best teams in the league if almost every week you don't show up for the entirety of the first half. You're not one of the best teams in the league if every single week you save your best effort for late in the fourth quarter when you're already down two scores. So I guess if you looked at the Bills as one of the best teams in the league, then, I'd, then you'd, you'd have to think right now that you know they are fraudulent. But I don't look at the Bills as one of the best teams in the league. I think I saw Rico earlier tweet out, do you think the Buffalo Bills are a top 10 team in this league? Right now, absolutely not. I don't.
2: In fact, you look at the AFC, and right now, they're barely in the top 10 of their own conference, let alone this entire league.
1: talk about the game in itself last night god knows how long we'll go tonight i'm just gonna roll i mean you know how it goes after these ones just we're just gonna roll man comes to my mind i'm saying it you want to know what i thought was the biggest microcosm of the entirety of this season so far almost kind of goes back to what i was talking about earlier where this defense i i I am uh I, i i commendable effort by mcdermott the personnel involved the defense as a whole, I uh, tip of the cap, honest to God. Uh, it is remarkable, I think, what they are capable of, of doing on a weekly basis with guys that at times you don't even know who the hell they are or guys that literally just put the Bills uniform on for the first time three days ago. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's awesome. This plays into the biggest microcosm last
2: night that I think reflects the entire season. Bills are down to score. Time for the
1: offense to keep up, keep pace, because of the way it looked early on, Bengals weren't going to be stopped. Bills get the ball. They're at their own 15, 20-yard line. Josh Allen, without a single man in his face, zero pressure at all, not even close to coming sacked, stares down Gabe Davis, hesitates, throws it anyways, and it was one of the easier interceptions you'll see. The Bengals get the ball. At what, their own 25, 30? With a little help from penalties and a lot of great defense, the Bengals didn't come away with a single point. And that to me right there is a microcosm of this team.
2: Offense either screwing you or nowhere to
1: be found. Defense bails you out. And it's an endless cycle. And unfortunately, it ends up getting to the point where the defense is going to break at some point. You can't expect them to stop great offenses every single drive, and the game ends. Like last night, when Von Miller, who right now, as it stands today, is looking like one of the worst signings in recent memory,
2: misses the tackle, Mixon gets the first down, it's over.
1: But if it's going to come down to that, when they only have 24 points and have only scored three the entire second half, I'm not going to fault the defense and I'm not going to fault Von Miller. Von Miller just says, I'm on the topic here. I, I mean, what, what, you, what can you even say? You know, I understand you're hurt last year. You, nothing you can do about that. But when you look at the money they gave him and the duration of the contract and you look at how tough it is to get out of that contract, And you look at the overall body of work and you kind of dissect what you think it's going to be moving forward here because he said last night, he's told the coaching staff that's the best he's felt since the injury. You didn't hear his name once until he missed the mix and tackle. But whatever, the defense, despite the injuries, it's like, I I don't even care. They're just doing what they got to do. 24 points to the Bengals is as good as anybody's going to do in this league, guys. When the Bengals are clicking, and they were clicking last night, Joe Burrow was surgical with it. That wide receiver core is filthy. And Joe Mixon is a much better running option than the Bills currently have in their run scheme and their ability to run is better and more threatening than what the Bills offer. I understand the running game wasn't electric for the, the Bengals last night. You come away with 54 yards, but the threat of it certainly was. Early on, they were banging it out on the run in the run game. And the Bills have to adjust to that. And then all of a sudden, Joe Burrow, who was already picking you apart, has an even more you know,
2: broader landscape to continue to do so.
1: And, uh, and last night and I think any week, well, I mean, let's just, I don't, I don't know it offhand. So let me just take a look here. I'm not going to call it the beginning of the year because Joe Burrow could barely move. And this Cincinnati team, for whatever reason, every year, they just do not play well the first month of the, of the season. I don't know what it is, but, um, You're talking about a Bengals team that scored 31 against the Niners, who many perceived to maybe be the best defense in football. You're you're talking about a Bengals team that has really ever since. Yeah, I mean, look at this. They put up 24 against the Ravens, who right now I think might be the best defense in football. Uh, They put up 17 against the Seahawks who have a phenomenal defense. What I'm getting at here is the Bills defense, which is literally down to its what? Ninth guy at corner. Their fourth guy at linebacker. This is is a practice squad type defense in certain areas. And they're holding the, the Bengals to the amount of points in which the Ravens are holding them to and the Seahawks are holding them to and the 49ers are holding them to. And you can't even come, you can't even be within a touchdown
2: of this ball game going into the fourth quarter with Josh Allen? And then when you hear about people getting after McDermott wanting
1: to fire him, right, which is always it's nonstop, um, to me, I think that when it comes down to it, I don't think we know how good, how bad it could have really have been recently. If McDermott hasn't made this defense into a functioning unit with as bad a personnel as it currently is putting out on the field, or at least I don't know if you want to even say bad, but with his uh, inadequate compared to what it would be if the starters were healthy. I mean, last night with that challenge it, it, late in the game, there it was. It was easily one of the worst challenges I've ever seen in my life. It made no sense in any capacity. One, why are you challenging a play? That was a potential nine yard gain in bounds when you're down by two scores and, and it doesn't ma- matter at all. Two, who the hell looked at that play up in the booth and thought, yep, yeah, you know what? There's conclusive evidence there. If I can watch it for five seconds and tell you there's not a shot in dick that that play is getting overturned, then why the hell is there a red flag on, on the field? It's stuff like that that I think McDermott just gets killed over and rightfully so. But he, he deserves some credit in, in a real, disgusting time right now for making this defense uh, is as presentable as it's been in a situation that I don't know how much worse it can get. It just feels like every week these guys are losing at least one, two guys on the defensive side of the ball. It's nuts. This is coming down to almost exclusively the offense to me, almost entirely. I would say 95% of it. And uh,
2: you know, look,
1: Whether it's Dorsey's fault or not, this continues the rest of the year. Gone. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't care if it's his fault or not. Something's got to give. It's like I was saying earlier, something's got to give. Um, It's like with the, you know, to give it a recent example here, it's like the Raiders. The culture over there was terrible. No one knows what the hell is going on, why they're so bad, why, why nobody, you know, seems to give a shit when you're watching them play and it just feels like there's a complete lack of effort. And you come to find out that Josh McDaniels continues to prove he's one of the worst options at head coach imaginable. He's still got his head stuck in the Patriot gutter. Absolute cult in New England. New England. The New England era with Brady was a cult. It was an awesome cult if you were a Patriots fan. I would have loved to have been a part of it if I grew up in Boston during that era. I mean, good God, it doesn't really get any better. But when you're coaching a different team and haven't been with New England for some time now and you're a, you're a assistant coach tries to inspire your team by talking about a victory he had against your former team a decade and a half ago and you take offense to it, you're a loser. And he got canned for it. And what do you know? The Raiders go out with a backup quarterback and hang 30 on the Giants, 10 points more than they've scored all year and beat them by
2: uh, three scores. Something had to give and they
1: gave. They gave into it. They fired him. Everybody on that team can't, couldn't stand Josh McDaniels, canned him. No, I'm not saying this is uh, the same situation, which it isn't. You're talking about an offensive coordinator uh, who I think has less impact on the overall culture of a team. And I also don't think that Ken Dorsey is grinding out the Patriot way over at one bill's drive. Kind of like Josh McDaniels was trying to do, you know, it's so funny how all these coaches try to go and do the Patriot way, right? Matt and Patricia, Josh McDaniels, and it just doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work, the Patriot way is number 12 at quarterback elite defenses. And some of the, some of the greater finds in the draft you've ever seen in your life at the personnel positions. Oh, and maybe Bill Belichick, the, p- perhaps the greatest defensive mind in the history of the sport, but no, the Patriot way is going to work in Las Vegas. I mean, what? What? Oh, uh. So you know it's not it's not the direct uh it's not directly correlated but the the overall the overarching concept is and that something's got to give in buffalo and potentially a firing is what is what is has to be put on the table as the sacrifice now i'm not i don't know if you do that now they won't do it now i i I'm pretty much certain of that. But I, I do know for a fact that if this offense continues to, to do this for the, the, the remainder of the season and they end up going whatever, you know, eight, eight and nine or whatever the hell they're on pace for now, and they don't fire Ken Dorsey, I, I, I
2: then what do you, what do you want me to say right now? Then what? I mean, then I'll just probably just die of a heart attack. Um, over the course of the next two years. If you're going to continuously go back to the well
1: and expect things to just change, you're going to continue to be like we're watching now, and that's a very average, to maybe slightly below average football team. Something's got to give. The one thing I'm noticing with
2: this team is that every single week, the fourth
1: quarter, is like they just found a speed boost playing Mario Kart or whatever. You know in Mario Kart, when you're driving around the track and you get that like bullet thing? That little bullet guy with the fire coming out of him and, and he becomes your car and you don't even have to touch the thing and you're just going 1,000 miles an hour and it drives for you? It's almost like the Bills are in last place in, in, in the race for three laps. And then the fourth quarter comes around and they somehow find one of those rocket guys inside of their own ass and they become that. But unfortunately, even the rocket guy can't make up the fact that you are two laps behind in the race. So it might make the game look a little bit presentable. Maybe you come in fourth or fifth, sixth place instead of 10th place. You still lost. You didn't place. You still lost. And I've seen time and time again now, In the Patriots game, in the Jacksonville game, in this game, in the Giants game to some degree, where the the offense all of a sudden looks exceptionally better than it did the first three quarters, especially the first two quarters. And you're thinking to yourself, why, why not just do whatever the hell this is two hours earlier?
2: Guys, okay, Josh Allen... If you were if you were on
1: like Madden and you're doing one of those create a players, I don't know how many attributes that Josh Allen has wouldn't be what you would put into your make a player, your your custom player. Maybe other than the decision making at times, I, I don't know what attributes that Josh Allen has that you wouldn't want in a custom player if you're playing a video game. And one of the most elite traits of that custom player would be Josh Allen's running ability,
2: okay? Joe Burrow, a
1: month ago, couldn't even, he could barely run. He could barely stand in the pocket. That's why they were getting their ass kicked for the first month. And last night, going into the fourth quarter, they had the same amount of rushing attempts and Joe Burrow had twice the amount of yards on the ground than Josh Allen. So what happened? Josh Allen had what did he have? He had he had he had three yards on the ground going into uh either the late third or early fourth. What's it at that point, you know. Either way, the point remains. He had he had three yards on the ground going into either the late third or early fourth. Okay. And what do you know? The fourth quarter came around. Guess how many yards Josh Allen with uh, finished with? enough to be the leading rusher in the entire football game on
2: both sides. 44 yards.
1: Because in the fourth quarter, either he makes the decision or Ken Dorsey, after he tries his little science experiments that aren't working, whatever they might be, like the uh, incredible double reverse that got thrown into the stands. After he's done dicking around, for three quarters, maybe he makes the call down and says, ah oh, you know what? Just Josh, go ahead, bud." And what do you know? It winds up being the best part of the offense the entire night. It winds up leading to getting into the red zone twice. God bless Dalton Kincaid. Felt bad for the kid. I can't dog on him for the fumble, man. He's gonna be an unbelievable player for this team. Holy hell! You want to talk about a silver lining from last night? That mother, that mother effort. Holy shit! Okay, that dude. I am not going to shit on Dalton Kincaid, a rookie, for getting the ball punched out. It was a hell of a play by Cincy's D. You can blame Kincaid all you want. That was a hell of a play. He didn't just drop the ball and fumble it. That was an unreal play. And the kid's a goddamn rookie who has been the third best player on this football
2: team the last month. In the fourth quarter, all of
1: a sudden, they had life. And if they would have scored a touchdown on that drive in which Kincaid fumbled in, I mean, we're talking about the potential to win that football game last night, as bad as that offense was. And it was the same exact thing in New England, albeit the defense, finally, they were the reason I think the game was lost. They had the opportunity. All you had to do was stop Mac Jones from going the length of the field, and he waltzed down the length of the field into the end zone. But in that game, Offence nowhere to be found. They took the lead in the fourth quarter with two minutes left, or whatever it was, mean less than that. Um, same thing in the in the Giants game, right? No points at all. No points at all. In three quarters, they score two touchdowns in the fourth. In the Jacksonville game, they have what? Seven points at half. They'd go on to score into the 20s. Primarily all of
2: the points coming late third, early fourth.
1: As much as the Bills have been bad is a trend. The Bills being like pretty damn good offensively in the
2: fourth is also a trend.
1: Everyone wants to say you can't go out and just have Josh Allen play backyard football. That's not how it's supposed to be done. There needs to be structure on the offense. There needs to be X, Y, and Z in the playbook. You know, there needs to be a semblance. I don't give
2: a fuck about any of that. None of it. If this team's best opportunity to win is, hey, Josh, let her rip, pal. Then let it rip. It's the only time in the game where they look like they belong on the same football field offensively. Why does it take three quarters and a two score deficit to get to that point? And it's not just one game. I just rattled off to you four games. I mean, if it's Dorsey, then
1: Allen's at the point in his career now where he needs to tell him to go eat shit. I I swear to God. If it really is Dorsey saying, no, you can't do that, Josh, or whatever, then in the headset, Josh has to say,
2: you know, from the back, pal. And
1: maybe, you know what? Maybe that's what he's doing in the fourth. Maybe it gets to the point where Josh has no other choice. Josh needs to just do it in the first quarter, I guess. The other thing, too, is jo- Josh right now is not. And this is where I struggle. I don't know the ultimate reason as to why. But Josh right now is not. It's not great. You know, it's pretty average. I mean, I'm watching C.J. Stroud yesterday uh, put up almost 500 yards, four tu- four or five touchdowns, 40 points against the same Buccaneers team that last week this Bills team couldn't score a point on against in the, in the second half. Um uh, you know, I'm I'm watching I'm watching uh, Josh Dobbs pull off one of the most miraculous feats I've ever seen in the NFL. Joining a football team three days ago and leading that team to a win last night yesterday was extraordinary. Highlight of the weekend for me in the NFL was that kid. Un- unbelievable, just in- incredible. You can't help but smile watching that watching those highlights and seeing the the post. You should go watch it. It's extraordinary. Like it's inspiring shit. What that what that dude did was remarkable to me. And then they go and they have a camera in the locker room afterwards. It's just, it's like giving me chills thinking about it right now. But the point is, I'm watching Josh Dobbs do that. He doesn't even know his own center's name, okay? He doesn't, he doesn't know a single play in the playbook. He doesn't even know the name of the guy he's throwing
2: the ball to. And he's dicing it up.
1: <laughs> and And I'm watching in the same game last night, the exact same game, I'm watching Joe Burrow do the one thing right now that I think would immediately alleviate what I'm trying to get at right here right now. and And that is Josh Allen currently is one very inconsistent. And two, I think at times hindering this team as much or maybe just slightly less than he is helping them. And one of the biggest reasons, I think ultimately the biggest reason, the majority of the reason, is you, you see on display last night, Joe Burrow never neglects the open man. Joe Burrow takes the open guy every single time. And that's why last night he's got a quarterback rating of 109 and Josh Allen has a quarterback rating of 85. And that's why last week against the 49ers defense, Joe Burrow had three incompletions and a similar stat line to what he had last night. He's picking apart elite defenses. Does it help that he has much better receiving uh, help and a better run game? Yes. I'm not denying that, but you, you, you guys watched it last night. There's a surgicality to what Joe Burrow does. Where with Josh Allen. There isn't Josh Allen is not taking like, for example, the best example on the interception thrown to, to Gabe Davis. One, he stared it down the whole time. The deep, the D back had that red like a buck, and he almost just like it wasn't even like he wanted to throw it. He like hesitated and then threw it. It, it was terrible, but if you go back and watch it, James Cook, he, he he could have made himself a sandwich. He was so wide open to the right, but more often than not, Allen will make the the tougher, deeper throw. And lately, Josh Allen cannot hit a deep ball. He is struggling to hit passes over 10 yards. Another example is last night, it's third and nine. The Bills need a first down. And instead of going for the sticks or even trying to go a little bit before the sticks and make it a four down situation, Allen throws a 22-yard deep, deep back pylon fade to Gabe Davis, who, take a bow, Gabe Davis, or whoever the hell was involved in him having zero catches last
2: night. Your wide receiver, two, two targets, zero catches, benched.
1: Uh, whatever. Back to the Allen thing. To me, it's a lot of him trying to overcompensate. There's part of me that gets it. The way that this, te- the way that these games have been going. <clears throat> uh, he, he, I don't know if you guys saw, but he was on a podcast with Tom Brady the other day, and Tom Brady essentially told him what I'm talking about right now he's like dude just take the easy pass how many times have I brought up on here there was there was no secret to Tom Brady's success the guy picked you apart by not making mistakes in hitting open men every single opportunity he had until the ball was in the back of the end zone and I would say for every if if Joe Burrow has 10 attempts And he makes the open, easy read eight of the 10. I would say Allen probably does it three out of the 10. And it's at the point now where it's really starting to, I think, hurt the flow of this team, the rhythm of the game, and really starting to hurt them on the scoreboard. And you know that they're capable of doing it because I want, and this, once again, it goes back to the fourth quarter point. Like last night, all of a sudden they're, they're putting Dalton Kincaid in and, and they did it in the first drive too, which unironically of course was their best drive of the football game. And it was an immaculate drive, but you're watching them put Dalton Kincaid in motion short out routes or in routes right before the sticks or a couple yards in front of it. And they tic-tac-toed all the way down the field on that drive. I mean, even the Stefan Diggs massive play on that drive. All it was was a great route by Stephon Diggs that was only about 10, 12 yards in, and he just made an incredible play on with his legs. But that's what you expect from incredible athletes like a guy in Stefan Diggs or Dalton Kincaid. It doesn't have to be Josh Allen getting that 40 yards through the air. Why can't it be like what I just said, that Diggs play? You don't even give him the opportunity. And, you know, once again, too, None of this is helped by the the absolute lack of the ability to run the football either. Um, But to me, that is what emphasizes my point even more. If you legitimately can't run, which this team cannot, then wouldn't that make you want to go to the short passing game even more? Because to me, that's your supplement to the run game. You have got to be able to supplement the inability to move the sticks and get you know, easy yardage. You have got to be able to supplement that if you can't run the ball. And the easiest, best way to do that is just taking what's given to you. And we saw him do that immaculately for three weeks. I had felt that was the big, we had talked about this on here. I thought that was the best part of that three game stint there was Allen's ability to look past what he had done in the jets game and show a, incredible amount of maturity in three straight weeks where he seemed to just be taking what was given to him and being able to take the open guy, the short read, move the ball down the field. And it resulted in three straight games where they scored 40, almost 40 points or over 40 points in all three of them. Um, he has now thrown an interception in what five consecutive games. He is now leading the NFL and has been for a while in an interception since he's entered the league. He leads the NFL in most turnovers since he's entered the league. Um, there's more of a conversation today to be had, and it's not just because of last night. And you all know that there's more of a conversation to be had right now than ever before. I think as to, you know, maybe, maybe there there's a, there's something to it as far as that 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 being a, a legitimate reason as to why there's there's plenty of struggles right now on the offensive side of the uh, of the field for these buffalo bills but once again i don't know if that's coming down to him not being given the opportunities in order to take those throws i don't know if he's just neglecting them after i mean last night he was neglecting them the jets game he was neglecting them i mean you just go back and look at it and there's there's a million open guys on multiple different plays that were not executed I think I'm starting to realize, and it's probably taking me longer than it should have, but I just don't. It's just really not in his nature to do that on a consistent basis. It's just not. He hates it. Of course, the, right now, this is great. I haven't looked at the comment section all night, by the way. I apologize. But, of course, I, I knew this was going to happen. The second I start saying this, the numbers start dropping. They just start dropping. Nobody, nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. That's fine. Whatever. Nobody wants to hear that Allen has any any contribution to the faults of this team right now nobody wants to hear they never have they never will and that's you know why things are the way they are right now you know nobody's real about anything
2: they're not you can't watch that
1: game last night and tell me that there wasn't a major discrepancy in the in the overall football iq of those two quarterbacks
2: He's capable of doing it. He's capable of
1: being the greatest quarterback in the league. He's capable of being the greatest quarterback of all time if he wanted to be. He's got everything you could possibly imagine. We just talked about it. It's just why is it not being done? That's the biggest question and ultimately the biggest concern. Uh and I and I once again will say I I don't think the entirety of the blame is on him. There is a lot that I think can be put on the shoulders of this coaching staff. Because I'm not entirely sure if he's being given the opportunities to be able to succeed in those departments as much as he should be, you know, given. And I certainly know for a fact that he is not being given the ability to run the ball nearly as much as he should be. Once again, I'm not talking about Allen having to run the football three, four times a possession. But when I'm going into the fourth quarter and I got a quarterback of his stature and he has less yardage on the ground than Joe Burrow, who once again could not move a month ago, that is egregious and it's unacceptable and it's just absolutely pathetic. And you know that they know it works and want to go to it because they go to it in the most dire and desperate situations. So why not incorporate it before you have to get to those situations? I don't get it. And that's probably one of the bigger discrepancies between Dable and Dorsey thus far. as Dable always had run tricks up his sleeve for Allen and took the took advantage of what he had as far as mobility is concerned at the running back position.
2: All right. I haven't looked at any comments on night. i apologize. We're an hour into the rant. And we got a shit ton of comments, almost a
1: thousand of them. And I uh I'm about to dive in. I don't even want to know what is being said about me giving some slight criticism to our boy J.A. And by the way, you know, it's another, I say it all the time. I should just stop saying it because I really don't give a shit, but you know, I'm so done with the, the false, like here's the one thing that I think I'm done with. And it sucks to say, but I think I'm done with it. I think I'm done with the, and I've said it before. I think everybody has, but it's, uh, it, it's kind of not true, I don't think.
2: And that's the Super Bowl window's always
1: open with Josh Allen. I mean, it's honest to God, it just, sounds, it just sounds cringe even having that come out of my mouth right now. Our Super Bowl window is always open with JA-17.
2: No, it isn't. N- it's not.
1: The Super Bowl window for the Kansas City Chiefs was wide open because they had the fastest, the fastest player to ever play the sport and probably one of the greatest wide receivers of all time, the greatest tight end of all time, maybe the greatest offensive coach of all time. You know, I mean, there's you, Josh Allen, yes, is the window open if he's on the team with other pieces to support him? Of course. And is he the biggest piece? Yes. But you can't sit here and just rest on your laurels knowing, hey, Josh Allen's on this team. I don't care who else is on it. Super Bowl windows open. That's delusional. You're watching it unfold right now with the Chiefs. They're two years after losing Tyreek Hill, and last year it didn't burn them because they had, I mean, I guess we didn't know how much it meant, but I think Juju Smith-Schuster meant more to that team than they realized. This Chiefs offense is in a rut. They scored 14 offensive points yesterday against the Dolphins team that the Bills racked up almost 50 against. They didn't score a single touchdown against the Denver Broncos, a team that the Dolphins scored 70 against. That offense is not good right now. Not good. You can't just consistently think that all these things are going to be great all the time because the quarterback's great. And right now, I'm looking at it and whether it's a complete lack of a wide receiver too i mean there's not a wide receiver too on the planet that should ever have a stat line that has all the goose eggs that Gabe Davis is currently has right now that that should be that should be impossible it really should there's not a great quarterback that doesn't you know ever that's not going to be benefiting from a solid run game which the bills do not have and have not had forever there's not a quarterback in this league who's not going to benefit from sound creative efficient play calling and it's currently seemingly uh, seeming right now like that's non-existent so when you say the Super Bowl window isn't always open with Josh Allen people are gonna immediately think oh why because of Josh Allen no because you're not taking advantage of
2: the quarterback you currently have the
1: window isn't open because of him the window is open because he's the biggest part and he's going to be able to take advantage of adequate situations you put him in. And right now, it's not an adequate situation. There isn't a bona fide wide receiver too. There is no run game. And everybody and their mother in Buffalo wants the offensive coordinator working at a, at a wing joint this time next week if, they, if it were up to them. You can't tell me it's an adequate situation and therefore, it's not, the, the window isn't open because Allen's the quarterback. Let's go to some super chats We'll start from the top to the bottom. We'll go to Darren Martin first and Darren is saying McDermott has Ken Dorsey on a leash. Mark my words. I know it's a hot take, but McDermott is a a clone of Ron Rivera who who hit his ceiling. This to me is a very interesting point. And we've talked about it before. We'll continue to talk about it because here we are, Uh, you know, us fans we're left to pick up the pieces of what we're watching. And what we're watching is a team that does feel like they are being handicapped by somebody or something. And I don't know if we can necessarily put our finger on it. This point to me is worth exploring. I don't know how true it is, but I go back to once again, what I had said a couple of weeks ago, the moment I watched. Brian Dable and and Sean McDermott meet at midfield after that Giants game, and they could barely look at each other. That told me more than I think most people are willing to to read into it. Now, maybe I'm reading into it far too much. That's a potential um, outcome of this, but I'm not entirely sure I am because I now know that Leslie Frazier left that team on horrendous terms. And it has been rumored that Brian Dable had felt that the offensive direction that the team was going in was not being supported by the head coach and there were butting heads over the way things were going, including the 13-second game. That moment after the Giants game, it was insanely telling to me. And that's where I see this point and
2: I think there's got to be something to it. I don't know if it's the end-all, be-all. But I
1: think that there are specific wirings within the brains of different coaches. An offensive coach thinks far differently than a defensive coach. And I think the one explanatory idea surrounding this point is that a defensive coach probably thinks that it's better for the football team to run the ball or or pound the clock, take things slow, and not play like your hair is on fire, which the Bills play their best football you know, offensively. The, 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 the counterpoint to that, though, is they don't run the football, and when they do, they don't run it well. And when they do play slow, they... And they, they, they punt the ball because when they try to play slow, it doesn't work either. They're not doing it effectively enough back to the point we were just having about the uh, inability to, to just move the ball through short yardage throws. The ideology doesn't make any sense. And I can't imagine McDermott's just that stupid. Nobody could be his jobs on the line based on this team's success. So there's no way it, to me that I could see him watch this offense and think that he's going to Dorsey and telling him, hey, double thumbs up, keep doing what you're doing. I can't I can't imagine the dude's not an idiot. And that would be beyond idiotic. So th- that part of it, that's where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But maybe he's strapping up the offense in a way that we don't know. Maybe he's telling them that you, you we have to do this and that. And we're not entirely sure what it is, but maybe that's the issue. I mean, I don't know. It's one gigantic soap opera.
2: And that's that that's like the the, the, the that's not ideal. Maybe it's just that Ken Dorsey isn't a very good coach, too. Maybe it's that this
1: offense isn't executing what they're trying to do. And that, once again, brings us to the, um, right right back to the, the center of the maze here, where we, we can just talk about this all we want, but they have yet to, to show that there's any real definitive
2: answer to that question. I just looked, by the way,
1: Chargers, there's, it's only a, uh, four minutes into the game chargers are by the way this is big because as I did not mention I didn't want to say it I really still don't want to say it. but you know what happens tonight if the Jets win it ain't good and it's absolutely dumbfounding to me that it's even possible but what I'm getting at is the chargers are already up a touchdown four minutes into the game and have the ball back again if you could let me know in the comments what happened I'd be interested I didn't say um go bolts Darren Martin coming in here and he's saying McDermott Darren Martin again, by the way. Darren Martin coming in with a few of them, by the way. I got three, four from Darren Martin. Number two from Darren. He's coming in. He is saying again, McDermott has Ken Dorsey on a leash, which is a chain reaction to Josh Allen being put on a leash. He's a great head coach, just not good enough to get over the hump. It's sad to say I understand we all like him, but he peaked. And I think that's a good point at the end there. I think most people like McDermott the guy. I know I do. I also really like McDermott, the defensive coach. I think he is a phenomenal defensive coach. Terrific. Last night is a great example. But there is something to be said about having a quarterback of the caliber of Josh Allen and not having an offensive coach to support him. There's something to be said about that. If you don't think that... that Patrick Mahomes has benefited from Andy Reid being his coach, you're nuts. If you don't think that Joe Burrow has benefited from Zach Taylor being his coach, you're nuts. Look at Jared Goff with a great offensive coordinator and and Ben, is it Ben Taylor
2: there? Resurrected his career.
1: Look at Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan. The, The guy, people, yeah, that guy had people debating if he was a top 10 quarterback or not. It matters. It absolutely matters. And some of these guys aren't great head coaches. I'm not going to question Josh McDaniel's ability to be an offensive coordinator. They won, shit, they won what? Six Super Bowls. I'm not going to question the guy, but he sure as hell is a shit head coach. The same thing with Nathaniel Hackett, many would say. The coaching matters. And the problem with having a defensive coach is that your offensive coordinator is a rotating door. If your offense is, a- is anywhere close to where you want it to be like that, Ben Taylor in Detroit is going to get a head coaching job. That offense is way too good. And, he- and he's way too creative of mind at the, uh, at the job to just be stuck in a coordinator job. And that's the overarching point here. If you're good enough at a coordinator position to make the offense, one of the better offenses in the league or far better than expected, you're going to get a job, and that means that that job is going to have to be replaced. And the more you continue to spin the roulette wheel, the higher likely uh, higher of a chance you're going to have to lose. with a, With a spin of the roulette wheel with Brian Dable, you already had won, but now you know the ball was taken out of the um out of the out of the wheel, and you got to spin again. And right now, many would argue that that you had black and Ken Dorsey's red.
2: So I guess to me,
1: if you're in the camp of, we got to move on from it, like say for instance, and I think that, you know, we we knew this before the beginning of the season and it stands true today, despite the extension, I don't care. Cause I think the majority of that extension for being in McDermott wasn't, it was an aesthetic play more than anything else. That's what I think it was. The PR move. I think if the bills miss the playoffs, there is certainly a conversation had with Terry Pagoola and whoever else about making a switch. And I think one of the bigger reasons for that is because it's not because McDermott's not a great defensive mind. He is. It's because in this era, it just seems as though you have got to have an offensive coach in order to be able to make your offense the best that it can be. And in this league, if your offense isn't the best it can be, especially with a quarterback of Josh Allen's caliber, you're never going to get to the ultimate, you know, the ultimate pinnacle, and that's the Super Bowl. You're never going to win it because you're going to have to continuously hit time and time again on great offensive coordinators, and that is not easy to do. Because every time you hit on one, they're going to get a they're going to get a job two three years later. and You got to continuously do it again and again and again. And I think right now, I mean, we 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 pretty much know that Sean or excuse me that Ken Dorsey is not Brian Abel and it matters. We've, I just gave you a, a, a list of examples of quarterbacks who are not the same, for better or worse, based on their, coach, their coaching situation. The other thing, too, is when you have a defensive head coach, I also think that the management and the overall culture of the team is more focused on the position in which the coach is most uh, experienced with. Why do you think that this Bills team has invested far more draft and uh, cap- capital towards the defense? Other than Stefan Diggs, and of course, finally drafting an offensive weapon in the first round for the first time since Josh Allen was drafted. Other than th- those two moves, almost every major move that these Bills have made has been towards the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's why right now the Bills defense, and I've said this before, I got roasted for it, and I stand by it today because it's true. The Bills defense has been the more consistent element of this team during the McDermott era. It has, and it continues to be, despite being as banged up as it is. So it makes sense. They've invested not only their head coaching position, but most of their draft capital and most of their cap room when available to it.
2: Now, let's talk about the Josh Allen being put on a leash thing.
1: This circles back to what I was talking about earlier, where... I'm starting to question, you know, my trust in Josh Allen at the, at this given moment. So there's two ways to look at that statement. If he's on a leash, then wouldn't he be making the easier reads all the time almost to a fault? You'd think so. Like would would Allen not be making any great highlight real plays if he was on a complete leash? That to me would indicate leash. I don't think a leash has led to Josh
2: Allen leading the league in interceptions.
1: But what I do think is there is some sort of leash on the creativity that Josh Allen's working within. Oh, Zach Wilson fumble. Come on, bud. Or no good. bud. what what am I I saying? Um, I think there's a a current stranglehold on where this offense, uh, you know, currently is. And that, in turn, has put Josh Allen in some sort of a bind. It doesn't seem like there's anything ever schemed up to get somebody completely wide open. It doesn't seem like there's anything completely schemed up to get anybody else adequate opportunities outside of Diggs and now, thankfully, Dalton Kincaid. I mean, there's no better example than that Gabe Davis line last night. How is it even possible? How is an offensive coordinator can you go the duration of a football game with your quote-unquote wide receiver two only having two targets and zero catches? I mean, at least Khalil Shakir has been having a couple of good games in a row here. That is very encouraging to see. But, you know, you look at the other side of the football field last night, and the, and the Bengals have Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, and it's like you look, at, you look back at the Bills and you're kind of like, yeah, this isn't all that comparable. Because you have a Diggs caliber wide receiver and chase, and then you have two much better weapons than the Bills have anywhere else at the wide receiver position to go along with that. And then, you know, when you're, you know, Kincaid is easily their second best offensive player right now. That's not named uh, Josh Allen, who Diggs and Kincaid, and the kids played, uh, kids played nine football games. I will say though, and uh, it's unfortunate. I love Dawson Knox, but uh, Dawson Knox cannot come back and uh, assume the starting role. Kincaid is a. I let's let's get positive for a second here. Last night and last week, and really the 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 entirety of the the last full month here. Kincaid showing you why he was getting the praise he was getting uh, before, during, and after the draft. That dude's going to be something else. Watching him last night was the absolute highlight of the evening and it made the evening more manageable and it made it uh, far more exciting and it made it far more uh, encouraging as far as what will be around for this team down the line. That dude's unbelievable. And it's, Unbelievably unfortunate that he had that fumble. Once again, I'll say it was just a terrific defensive play that he happened to be on the end of. Um, but that dude is an a stud, a freak. and he, And he is literally nine games in, and they've barely gotten him involved until Knox got hurt. Just imagine what's going to happen with more experience, more targets, more incorporation into the offense. That looks like an absolute home run today. And I can only imagine how great it's going to look if they continue to evolve with it. Uh, It's, it's awesome, but it still feels as though something's got to give offensively because you either have to have another amazing offensive weapon at the wide receiver position, or you have to have a run game. If the bills were able to run, I think what they have at off uh, at wide receiver right now would probably be adequate with Kincaid playing the way he is. I would say it's probably adequate, but when you can't run the ball and you are reliant on the ability to throw it, I think that's where you realize the Bills really need to get somebody else involved or or on the team, really, in order to be able to uh, to be a high-functioning, high-flying offense. Because, the you know, once again, last night you just look across the field and when you have that much more to work with, certainly makes Joe Burrow's life easier. When Joe Burrow is making the right decisions and he's got a run game behind him and he's got those weapons, I mean, it, it's a
2: real nice environment to play in.
1: Jets, oh, they're about to go down 14-0. I'm shocked. Nobody's Nobody's really put points up like this on the Jets.
2: Charters offense, though, good. We got the Charters coming down the pipe, too. Bills, couple months. Or actually, wait, no. Is, is that sooner than that?
1: I think it's a couple months. Yeah, two days before Christmas. Well, not a couple months, a month and a half. All right, Darren again. What's Darren got this time? If you have been coaching the same team for five years with the same quarterback and haven't won a Super Bowl within that stat, then you will never. Uh, no, I know. That's a, real, that's a real stat. I actually heard that yesterday. Never happened before.
2: And, you know, right now, there's no reason to think it will. Um, I
1: don't know what it takes to move on. But I will say once again, if this team continues to play like they're playing and if they do miss the playoffs, I think there's a major conversation that's had. And I think that maybe that results in in something there. I do. I think McDermott's really got his work cut out for him the remainder of the year here because I think he might be in trouble if his Bills team misses the playoffs. And if it's not him, it's certainly Dorsey. If they don't go if they don't move off of anybody and it continues like this, then I I, I mean, God bless him. You, you almost got to consider what you're doing with your Sundays at that point if they, they don't even care enough to to, to make a move. Fiance, Carol out with our friend Nikki right now. She says hello. Hello back. They're at the bar watching uh, the Jets. Uh, early on here, get their ass kicked, which is uh, which is nice. Darren says, "Read my donos." Check that box, Darren. Sorry for the delay on that, brother, but we got them down. All good points, by the way, and I appreciate you bringing them up. Walter to round us out in the super chats here. He says, "In our four losses." Davis only has nine receptions, 138 yards, and a touchdown. Keep in mind, 100 yards in the TD came against the Jags, where he was a no-show until the late fourth quarter. Wow, I didn't even know that. That's a great stat. Appreciate you bringing that up, Walter. Um, Yeah, that's a great point to make, because I think it really emphasizes what I'm just talking about right now, and that's when you don't have a wide receiver, too, and the one that you do have is completely non-existent in the football game, you can't expect to win many football games. And right there, Walter lays it out for you. They haven't. They haven't won one of them. Now, I don't know if there that's a move you may I don't know how, I don't know how that gets done. If you want to go in the draft and find a way to move on up. I mean, there's some unbelievable wide receivers coming out of the draft this year. But I don't know if that's something you wait for a late round for. You trade up in the first round or you try to go get one of these veterans in the offseason at some point. I mean, I have no idea. But the Bills are what they are right now. Not, nothing's happening now. Trade deadline's come and gone. They didn't go and do anything at the wide receiver position. And and Leonard Fournette is not going to be your end-all, be-all answer for the, for the uh, increased success of this Bills offense. So, <clears throat> uh, I mean... The other thing too is that's that's not even that's just one of the many problems right now. I mean, there's so many things too. The Bills have got to go out and get a corner at some point. They're probably going to have to go out and get a um, another linebacker at some point. They're going to have to find a way to replace their safeties that'll be gone sooner than you than you know it. Uh, there's just a lot going on. It, there's a lot going on, and not a lot of it's very good. There it is, Chargers TD. 14 nothing so the bills should remain in second place wow
2: just what we wanted so let's look ahead and try to decipher here what we think this season culminates into because Here's the reality. It's five and four today. Obviously, 11 and six gets it gets it done, I think. 11 and six is going to get you in. 10 and seven, it might.
1: Slim, I would say, chance it doesn't, but a chance nonetheless, depending on what happens.
0: This is the story of the one.
1: Nine and seven, I would say, not looking good at all, especially based on tiebreakers. The bills currently have all four losses in the conference. I don't see how nine and not excuse me nine and eight, not nine and seven. nine and eight. I don't see how that gets you in. I, I actually don't think there's really any chance that would get you in. So what does that mean? Well, the bills have um,
2: eight remaining games. Broncos
1: coming up. Jets, Eagles. Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins in that order.
2: And one, two,
1: three, four are on the road, four at home. So I thought there might be a differ differentiating uh factor there, but there isn't. It's right down the middle. Four home, four away.
2: And you have of those eight, three of them are divisional games, which you've already lost
1: two of. And of those divisional games, you'd argue those are probably your easiest tasks of the remaining eight games. Quote unquote. You have eight remaining games, five and four you got to get to 11 and six to probably guarantee a playoff spot. You got to get to 10 and seven to feel pretty good about a playoff spot. And you lose four more. And I think you can probably forget about a playoff spot.
2: All of these games are winnable. All of them are losable. That's the tough
1: part about trying to dissect what I think happens here. A Bills team that has played against the Giants and the Bucks and the Patriots and the Jets, Bengals, you know, this team continues to play like this. I think you probably come out with uh, maybe even slightly worse record than you've had through the first month here because the strength of schedule is tougher. When you play like you do last night, the Broncos can beat you. The Jets defensively can find a way. They seem to always find a way against these Bills. The Charters can outscore you. The Chiefs seem to always find a way, especially at home. The Eagles in Philadelphia, that to me is the scariest game remaining. It's like the most impossible place to win in, and they have only lost one game, and it was to the, to the Jets. And it was a game where Jalen Hurts imploded at the end and threw an interception. I had no idea what he was doing there. And it was just one of those freak wins for the Jets, which they seem to have three of this year. Crazy.
2: Uh, the Patriots already beat you, right?
1: It, it, it's it's tough. to, And this is why I think when you look at the Bills' playoff odds, this is why I think it's right around a coin flip, because to me, that's what it is. Because like I said, I look at this schedule and I think the Bills could win any of these games. I also think they could really lose any of these games because you look at the Patriots and the Jets game and those would be the two you'd say, oh, they're winning those, and they already lost both of those. You look at the Broncos and you're thinking they're winning that, but I just watched this Broncos team find some sort of of confidence in, in, in heat. A week ago, they beat the Chiefs for the first time in 17 attempts.
2: They got to be feeling pretty good. Plus, they're coming off of a buy.
1: This team needs to figure it out over the next two weeks or they're screwed. If I look, at, I look at it like this, it's Broncos, Jets, the next two. If the Bills lose one of those two, to me, I think it's about done. I think it's about over. Because I don't see where you're, you're getting your remaining victories after that. Because these are the two you have to have. If you're sitting at 7-4. and Going into the
2: Eagles game. You're back on some sort of track. The
1: other thing too is. They have got to win. At least. At least. One of. The Eagles. Chiefs. Cowboys games. Have to. That's already baking in. Beating the Jets, beating the Broncos, beating the Patriots. Hopefully beating the Dolphins again. And the more I think about it and the more I look at the Dolphins schedule, they end the year pretty tough as well towards the late end of it. The more I look at it, the more I honestly think that this division might come down to that game. I think that game in Miami might essentially be a playoff game.
2: Um... To me, the next two weeks are as crucial as it gets, though. I can't, if you lose to the Jets twice in one year, uh, I don't even know if you deserve to go to the playoffs. And this Broncos
1: team, the nice part about it, needing these two games, they're both at home. The Bills have not lost at home all year. I think there's something to be said about the benefit of this Bills team playing at home. It does, it does feel different, at least to me, when they are home. I feel more confident. The, other, the, the To the counterpoint on that, though, I feel way less confident about games like the Eagles and the Chiefs because they're on the road, especially that Eagles game. But... I feel much better about the Bills beating the Patriots when it's in Buffalo. Same can be said for the Jets. And I can say the same about this coming up Monday night. Um, But if they lose this coming up Monday night, you're going to see a version of me you've never seen. I mean, I'm going to see a version of me I've never seen. It's going to be sickening. It's going to be absolutely pathetic. I don't want to think of a world where I have watched through 10 weeks of football a Bills team losing to Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. This current iteration of the Denver Broncos. Um, Narrowly, narrowly, narrowly beating Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I I can't, this coming up week needs to be,
2: it needs to be a win and it needs to be to me.
1: I can't even say this anymore. I can't, this team, I don't know if this is a team where I can say confidently, they need to go out and give a statement. This team just needs to win at this point. All you got to be focused on right now is, is the playoffs and having a crack. Who knows? You, you, you look at throughout history, there have been teams that don't belong in the playoffs who have somehow figured it out and made a run. And that's all we need from these bills right now. And God only knows you get to that point. Maybe Milano comes back or to Jones, you know, who, who the hell knows? You just got to get there. And right now, they wouldn't be there. They have got to find a way. I can't think of anything that would be more sickening than squandering even the ability to get to the dance with this team.
2: That is the epitome of
1: underachieving. It would be sickening to look at What this team has tried to do and did not even get a
2: crack at the dance. But thus far, they have not played a level of football worthy of being considered part of that. They haven't. The other
1: thing, too, that's, you know, we've talked about it, but it's a it's a factor, is, is six of the next eight, and I'd argue seven because that Bills-Dolphins game is more than likely going to be a primetime game, I would imagine. But we'll just say for now, six of the next seven are all 425 or 8 p.m. They're all big games. They're all tough. They're all winnable. They're all losable. And if this team wants to prove that they're a playoff team, and if they want to even be a playoff team, they're going to have to start treating these remaining games like playoff games. This is all, all of these games are playoff-type atmospheres and playoff-type games. Because the Bills right now, they don't have any cushion, so every game almost needs to be treated as if it is a, a do-or-die situation. Because if you lose one of these next two, I just don't know where you where you come out not not. Losing another two. And, and I don't see how that you,
2: you end up getting in. It's a critical next two weeks. The only thing that just is, this is the most alarming thing to me. Is we haven't seen even a remote ability to be a good football team in over
1: a month. October 1st was the Bills Dolphins game. In in the interim between today and October 1st, the Bills have played five games. They've lost 3 of the 5 and they've looked mediocre to bad in
2: all 5.
1: So, to have an abundance of confidence about Their ability to go and do what needs to be done is really uh, almost, it's it's impossible for me. I don't have it. I am not confident at all about playing the Denver Broncos this week. I am certainly not confident about playing the New York Jets the way that they always play us with with their defense. Ungodly, unconfident about going into Philadelphia and trying to figure that out. Prove me wrong. Prove all of us wrong. Cause I would venture to believe the majority of the fan base right now, who's actually watched these games and understands what is happening would probably feel the exact same. Oh, shit. Caroline wants to know if I
2: want wings. Who's ever said no to that? Yes. Big time. Make me feel better, please. Let's go to some chats. See what everybody is up to uh, outside of Caroline is taking my wing order. That's, Awesome. Love that. Um,
1: so Brian's asking, do you, do you feel confident the way this coach uses his timeouts? No. No. See, that's the thing that's tough with me with McDermott. I was talking to my dad earlier. My dad said, you know what? I think he's just a great coordinator. Maybe, that, maybe that's true. There's really a lot of McDermott I do like. What I don't like are situations last night. I talked about it a little bit earlier, but but that challenge is just so bad. And if I and everybody else on the planet with the Twitter app immediately knows that was a horrible challenge, how does the guy, and this is what I've never understood sometimes about like these jobs, these coaching jobs. You know, sometimes you can have an argument and then it makes sense. Okay, the guy made a move. It didn't work out. You can't dog on him. Like, for instance, going for it on, Fourth down, you don't get it. Of course, you're going to get shit on if you don't get it. You're going to get praised if you do get it. Those are irrelevant to me. But there's moments where everybody on the planet knows the decision's wrong, except for the guy in charge of making the decision, the guy getting paid millions of dollars to make the decision. Last night was one of those. There is not a scenario
2: on the planet regarding that play that made sense in
1: throwing a red challenge play. It was a nine-yard gain. It did not affect the flow or the outcome of the game at all, whether it was overturned or held up, which we know because it was held up and they still scored. And you are down by two scores with only two remaining timeouts. The odds of you winning this challenge are negligible at best and you're essentially making a really risky and frankly shitty bet where if you lose i mean this is the best way to put it think about what's at stake i'm making a risky bet and if i win i
2: get wait for it nine yards
1: if i lose I lose one of only two remaining timeouts in a two-score football game with only about four minutes left. Does that make any logical sense to you? No. So it was terrible. But you know what? Honestly, thank God it didn't come down. I'm not even kidding. Thank God it didn't come down to that timeout really mattering. Because it didn't. And if it did, uh, if you think I look sick tonight, Which I am, by the way. I was sick. That's why I wasn't with you last week, by the way. I haven't even said anything. I I was sicker than hell all last week. It was terrible. So, you know, of course, cap it off with the game last night. What a week. What a week. It was great. But if it had come down to, like, the Bills losing with it being blatantly obvious, the reason they lost being they didn't have another timeout, I, I don't even know. So uh, maybe there's there's a beauty in the way they lost to some degree. Thank God it didn't happen. Like, Savon Miller makes that tackle, and the Bills get down to, like, the the 25, and they couldn't get another playoff because they didn't have a timeout. The Fire McDermott chance today would be a thousand times louder than the Fire Dorsey chance which are quite loud today.
2: They are loud. You know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know how to be an offensive coordinator. I never have. I never will. But, you know, with that said,
1: I'm not going to, I don't know if you had, and I think if anybody had the answer to this, then they'd be getting paid to be able to use that expertise. Nobody has the answer to this. If somebody knew what was going wrong with this team currently, you know they 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 would be be making millions. But what I do know is that it clearly seems as though there is not whether it's hurting them and it's the sole reason they it's hurting them or not. It definitely seems inevitable that the offensive scheme and the coaching from Dorsey is not benefiting them. And a lot of the times, if you are, if you are incorporating yourself around things that aren't bettering you, I mean, that's usually an indication to move on. Even if it's not necessarily hindering you. And that's where I, I have yet to really ever come on here and say it's time to fire Ken Dorsey. But I don't really know. Do you,
2: um, are you put at a disadvantage today? If
1: you fire Ken Dorsey? I don't think you are. How much different does this offense look tomorrow if Ken Dorsey gets canned tonight? And if you could argue that you think it may have a chance to be better and you really don't know if it could be much worse, that to me kind of points in the direction of maybe it's time you, you, you let the guy go. Think about it. There's only 32 of those jobs in the league. And if the current guy at the job is very obviously not benefiting or pushing the team forward, you can't necessarily entirely prove that he is disadvantaging them. But you can pretty much tell that at the very best, it's stagnant. I think that that's when you say we have got to... uh, take a crack at somebody who we think has a chance to push it forward. Cause right now, I don't know if you can, it just seems like you have enough under your belt to, to kind of understand that you don't really know if it's going to drastically change anytime soon. And it has to drastically change. So whether it's Ken Dorsey's fault or not is one thing, but whether I think he just needs to go because it's not necessarily a strong suit of this team is another. Your coordinator needs to be a strong suit, especially with a quarterback like Josh Allen. And if it's clearly obvious that it isn't, then I think that there's your argument to getting rid of him. The argument might not be able to be proved today that it is entirely his fault that this offense is playing the way they are. But I think there's plenty of evidence to prove that he's not making this offense any better than what it was
2: or what it can be. So to
1: me, I'm more in the boat of today of uh, it's time to move on than I think I've ever been. Because I just think something's got to give. A spark needs to be ignited. And I don't know where else you're really getting that spark. You can't go out and get an offensive weapon or a wide receiver. The trade deadline's gone. You can't fire McDermott. I just think that would be stupid. I don't think there's any real reason today to fire Sean McDermott. I think if anything, you'd see a major... <clears throat> you'd see a major drop-off in defense. And also another thing, who would even coach the defense if you have McDermott today? There isn't a defensive coordinator. The only real option to me as far as a something's got to give and we need a spark is time to let Dorsey go. And it'd be different too, I think, if Allen was out constantly advocating for Ken Dorsey, saying, you know, Dorsey's doing this and that, it's all great, and I'm just not doing a good job of it, or we're not doing a g- good job of it, I might think a bit different. But no one's coming out in support of him, really. Allen's not coming out in support of him. McDermott's not coming out in supporting him. They're not saying, hey, he's doing a great job. We're just not executing. Like, you don't really hear a lot of that. It's just a lot of it's a lot of uh bullshit code word type NFL uh verbiage that you hear at the podium all the time we can't find a rhythm we're, we're getting off to a slow start we have we can't do this that. and that to me is a, is a code word for this ain't working and if there's just kind of saying that in in other ways and not saying hey we are you know we're we're 100 trust in dorsey something's got to give Why not that? I don't think it hurts them today if they did it. McDermott is 7 of 29 on winning challenges. Good. Christ.
2: Oh, I don't even, how do you even know that?
1: Walter, I'd like to imagine the only reason you know that is because every time McDermott has challenged a play, you you pull out a little notebook and have a pen and write it in a little journal. That is
2: horrendous. So that's what 24ish percent? Jesus. That is that is horrendous. Oh, I didn't even read the next sentence. Oh! <laughs> oh!
1: That is so bad. An average of one per year. Oh, it gets even worse. That's worse than Davis's receptions per game. Walter, from the top rope, you just dropped down a banger of a super chat. Every sentence got better. That is a remarkable super chat right there, okay? Every sentence. Nice. Three nights short, concise sentences. Each one of them absolutely strikes you to your core, okay? McDermott is 7 of 29 on winning challenges. That's an average of one per year. That's worse than Gabe Davis receptions per game.
2: Cold, Walter. That was awesome. And that is sickening, all of that. Bills and bourbon. A lot more bourbon than
1: Bills these days, it seems like. At least for me. Play calling aside, the offense has no juice, and they have looked unprepared multiple times. Farable, in my opinion. Okay, I, I didn't even read your super chat. Was, that was uh, a... Jesus, calm down,
2: will you? That was... I just did it again. Pause 10 seconds for uh, station identification. And reset my brain okay bills and bourbon that's what i was just talking about how ironic that's what your super chat is about i agree with you to me
1: what i had just said is exactly what you just you are saying right now just in different words and that is when you hear alan say yeah, we just don't have a rhythm, or we just don't have a vibe, or we, you know, we got to get off to a quicker start or whatever. That's code word for this ain't working, and, and it, it's not good. And what you're saying is the same. It's the exact equivalent. It's that it's that NFL podium jargon that means nothing, and is just said to over, uh, you know, overcompensate for the failures of the team and kind of mask over. The real issues, ah, you know, we just don't have any juice. Yeah, I just think we were unprepared. You know, you know, we're unprepared. We uh, we'll be more prepared for. That's not me. We're, we're unprepared. We gotta be more prepared for for Denver. Like, oh, really? You don't say. It's always preparation, isn't it? It's always preparation. As if these guys don't live in the building. It's not like you know, someone last week took a took a a cruise and was like, ah, wasn't prepared because I went on vacation. I do some PTO time. Like they're, they're, that's always the thing Yeah, well, we weren't prepared. Why? That's a good question. I wouldn't yell love if a reporter did that. You know, we weren't prepared really for this game. Uh, hey, yeah. Z uh, Zebot here. Buffalo fanatics. Uh, why? Why, what? Why weren't you prepared? This is the only thing you have to do. You're, you're paid a, a zillion dollars to do it. And not for nothing. You know, you, you live in Buffalo too. It's not like you live in Vegas or LA I can't imagine what it is you'd be doing other than grinding out the new Spider-Man game. Like I have putting in a lethal amount of hours, but you know, other than that, like why weren't you prepared? Because you know, this is like your job. You only have 18 meetings a year. Wouldn't you want to be prepared for them? And I would just love to hear the answer to that. Wouldn't that be great? The NFL needs to stop effing around and give fans. I mean, Not every fan, because Christ, maybe they should. That would be hilarious, honest to God. You imagine the NFL greenlit, like instead of calling into a radio station after a loss, you get to call in, you get to call into the podium. Oh my God. I mean, if they dropped like a subscription service where you had to pay to listen into that and be able to call, I'd pay like five grand a month for that. I'd go into some crippling ass debt to be able to be a part of that. You imagine that shit?
2: Like, the the first thing that comes to my mind, you imagine the 13-second game
1: and being able to call in after that? I remember after that game, I just listened to everything there was because it was like I was torturing myself. I, I was like, I needed to just hear how bad that was more and more and more and more and more.
2: You imagine you're like, I don't know, man.
1: Shit. You're like 12 beers deep. And that bullshit just takes place in Arrowhead. And you get to ring up whoever, McDermott, Frazier at the time, Allen. And then on the other side of things, you can like pay to listen in on it. I, I mean, that is a gold mine. And God knows the NFL is always looking to make an extra shekel. Maybe they should look into doing it. But I but I mean back to real life, because that's never going to happen, but Christ, that would be awesome. But back to real life, what could maybe happen is someone just saying, you know, hey, why? You know, why? You know, you you have like an all um, you have like an offensive player of the year caliber uh receiver right now in Stefan Diggs, maybe playing the best football of his career. Uh you got Donald Kincaid who looks like when you get him involved, he could be the next whoever fill in the blank. He looks unbelievable, right? You know, you have Josh Allen, who many believe if he continues to play the way he has and, and continues to climb up the ladder, which he is going to need to do. But, you know, many people believe if he continues to get better and the Bills remain a top-tier team to some degree, people think he could be a Hall of Famer someday. You know, you have him. Um,
2: so, you know, wh- wh-
1: what's the deal? Why are you scoring uh, – next to no points in the first half of almost every game. Like, there's just a million things. But it's never that way. Every week's the same. I got to be better. I got to be better. You know, uh, we got a good group of guys in this locker room, and, um, you know, we will be better. You know, we're going to study harder. We're going to be more prepared next time. Uh, You know, and really, it's just out of Denver. It's like, okay, great. That's awesome. That really answers all the questions we have right now, which are, you know, endless. I also wonder, I, 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 and this is, a, this is one thing I think matters too, we know for a fact that Josh Allen and, and, uh, and Brian Dable had a great relationship. I'd love to hook Josh Allen up to a lie detector test right now and know what he really thinks about Ken Dorsey. Because you know what? This organization isn't built on Ken Dorsey. This organization's built on Josh Allen. Josh Allen doesn't like the offensive coordinator. They should fire him today maybe this is brash. I don't know. But if I'm Sean McDermott or I'm Terry Pagula, Brandon Bean, whoever, whoever needs to hear it. If Josh Allen came into
2: my office. And said. Hey, I, I, this isn't working. It is
1: blatantly hindering my performance. This entire offense's performance. We're not getting along. We're clashing, you know, every opportunity you can imagine. It's just not working we need to make a move for this team to be successful. Um, I'm firing the guy before Allen even closes the door on his way out. It's not like Allen is like, you know, a guy like James Harden, for instance, who every, every time he, he, he steps into a team, he immediately wants to get out of there. He hates everybody involved. He wants to m- change everything. He is the system. I trust Allen. Good head on his shoulders, always been great at the podium, always been a a leader, highly talked about by all his teammates. They all love him. Trustworthy guy. So I would love to know. To me, that means a ton. And it goes back to what I was saying a little bit earlier. We really haven't heard Allen come out and over-advocate or really advocate much at all for Dorsey. I think that that's more telling than,
2: uh, than realized. So I don't know if we'll ever truly know. It's not like he's ever going to go to the podium and say, "Yeah, this guy stinks."
1: But I think that, that 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 would be a great thing to know, and I wonder if I wonder if McDermott knows how he feels about him. I wonder if Bean knows how he feels about him. I don't know. All I know is when Allen is, is put in his best position and he's playing his best game, he's one of the greatest players I've ever seen play the sport. And there are times where you see it,
2: but right now
1: between a combination of him, it looks at times like he's uncertain of himself, feels at times like this offense feels uncertain about its entire identity. The play calling at times just feels like it doesn't make any sense. Once again, last night, a third and short situation where this team lines up in the shotgun and throws the ball, despite having a six foot two or whatever, he's six foot five, two hundred and forty pound quarterback, continuously do that. Um, I, I've lost count of the amount of times they've done it. it. It is the most sickening thing in all of football. They're not the only team to do it too. A, a bunch of teams do. It makes no sense at all like it's like the entirety of the the coaching union got together and said hey we're just going to run this really stupid format or formation every short down situation we have to all agree to do it even though it's beyond
2: dumb uh i don't know like i said it's just disappointment i'm just disappointed
1: right now just I'm just kind of broken. I'm sad. I'm bummed. Because the thought of not watching this team coming January is creeping in a little bit. And it it makes me legitimately sick to my stomach. And then just knowing what has to be done in order to be able to watch this team in January and knowing who it has to be done against, it makes you even a little bit more sick. And it also makes you a bit more sick knowing that the last five games have given you no ability to have any confidence in them doing it
2: the way it needs to be done.
1: But I got to say this, win, lose, or draw, I would just love for this upcoming game, if they very clearly just let Josh Allen from snap one till the end of the game, just do it. Like, just pick up street ball, go ahead. Run it whenever you want. Throw it, you know,
2: like make shit happen.
1: Now with that, I don't mean, hey, rip it deep all the time. I'm, I'm sick of it. This, that's not who this team is right now. This team is not a rip the ball deep and, and, and score touchdowns on, on bombs all day long. They're, they can't really do it. So, I'd like to just see Allen have the ability to pretty much open up the offense to his liking, kind of call his shots, but at the same time, doing it in a a way where he is not turning the ball over and throwing it into windows that aren't there. There's got to be a median. You can't just have him go out there and sling it all over the field when it doesn't make sense, which, frankly, he's already been kind of doing. But if you can find a way to let him be him while at the same time removing throws like last night to Gabe Davis and replacing them with getting the ball to James Cook, who's wide open, I just love to see that from start to finish. And I feel like we saw that from start to finish in the three games that they won. No shit. Why, aren't they, why can't they get
2: back there? And another
1: thing here to me too, and I know that, that I've said I probably said this last year because it's the same shit every year, and there's always somebody saying, "Well, you can't do that; it's not the way it's done." Well, frankly, the Bills aren't really having much success doing things the way that they're d- supposed to be done. What I'm getting at is I, this team. D- do you almost just completely abandon the run?
2: The to me. I look at it like this. They won't do it because, you know,
1: they just won't. But I look at it, and I'm thinking to myself, why why can't you just sit down, have a a come-to-Jesus moment, and understand we can't run the ball here. So if I'm Dorsey or whoever, I'm sitting in the meeting room, and I'm looking Alan dead in the eye, and I'm being dead serious. And I'm saying, look, we can't run the ball. You need to give me your word. We're gonna we're gonna cook up a couple of different schemes here where all you all you all you do is dump the ball to James Cook, or hey, maybe, maybe use Deontay Hardy, who you probably forgot is on this football team. Right? He, wasn't he supposed to be the next McK- Isaiah
2: McKenzie? How many catches he have on the year? Four? If that?
1: Why can't they sit back and say, we're going to do a couple of these plays that are designed to do nothing more than gain five, six yards? Sometimes three, four yards. We can't run the ball. Lately, we cannot score throwing the ball 10 plus yards down the field. We're going to try this, but you have to do it or it's not going to work. You actually have to stick to it. It doesn't seem all that insane to me. Now, you know, coming up with the plays and whatever is another thing. But the overall concept to me doesn't seem like rocket science. I'm just throwing shit at the wall, man, because at this point, that, that's, all, that's all there is to do. You sit back and watch these games, it's the same shit, just a different week, every single week the last month. All you're left to do is sit back and think, how the hell can this be any different? Because this is terrible. Let's take a look at the comments section, see what the gang is saying. Two hours, 10 minutes in. Update on the Jets, by the way. 14-3. Chargers up, Jets ball four minutes in the first half. I cannot, for the life of me, believe the Jets are four and three right now. How they won that game last week against the Giants—that dude, that was ins- just insane. The fact that nope, I'm not going to say it because they're not going to win. So I don't care. I'm not going to put it out. I'm not going to put it out in the ether. I haven't said it on. I'm not going to say it again. All right, we've got a super chat here. Sorry, I was just kind of scrolling through. I was just seeing some random shit, and not even about the bills. Kept seeing the First Amendment. How does that got to do with anything? I don't even know what it was about, so apologize if it was uh, just a... Uh... That's what I love sometimes. I'll scroll through here. <laughs> People are just having, like, full-on conversations about shit that has nothing to do with... that. Uh... <laughs> One, I mean, I don't care if you talk about what I'm saying, but it doesn't have anything to do with like football, it's got to do with like the most random thing. MOS coming in, and he's saying bot calls into the podium. Oh, you better believe I'd be ringing that baby up if I had that subscription service. The highlight of oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bot calls into the podium. The highlight of my night is the grilled cheese burrito at Taco Bell. Oh, <laughs> let me let me say this like how I would actually say it. Which is what I think you're trying to do here with the question mark and the exclamation point.
2: All right. So this is me calling into
1: the podium after a Bill's loss, speaking with Ken Dorsey. And mind you, I just annihilated like six grilled cheese burritos from Taco Bell.
2: Spent like 200 bucks
1: you mean to tell me the highlight of my night is the grilled cheese burrito at taco bell Ken, absolute dog shit tonight if it were up to me you're fired hang up the only problem is you we gotta we gotta throw in
2: a a question in there so i think my question would be where do i send the bill to because taco bell is on ken that night T-Bell's on Ken. So I would say, Ken, whatever payment service works best for you,
1: bud. I got Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, Check. You name it, pal. But I just just dumped about 70 bones on T-Bell, and this one's on you, baby. This one's on you. You already cost me enough
2: tonight. Believe me.
1: God, I got to tell you, that's a genius idea. It would be an absolute shit show, but in the best way possible. I can't think of anything. I can't think of a, the entertainment value of that. I simply cannot think of anything that could be, that could beat it. I couldn't. It reminds me of this. I think I got. I think I got this on my soundboard still. Do I have it? Well, yeah, this one right here. Okay, so I want you to imagine this, while we're on the topic of the, you know,
2: calling into the podium. This is.
1: I think this. Yeah, this is. This compilation of phone calls I'm about to play to you. Is right after the Bills beat the living hell out of the Patriots in the wild card two years ago. This is the calls that were being made into uh, WFAN in, in Boston. Well, it's not that good of a morning, buddy, but we're gonna we're gonna see if we can recover from this one, Mister. Bill- Hold on, I haven't listened to this in a while, so just be prepared. I'm probably gonna laugh my ass off. I remember this is incredible, so here it is. Well, it's not that good of a morning, buddy, but we're gonna we're gonna see if we can recover from this one. Mister. Bill Belichick should be on his way out the door. Stop playing. Oh shit! How about as I'm playing that? You got to be kidding me. As I start to play that, my headphones died. I'll play it for you guys anyways. Well, it's not that good of a morning, buddy, but we're going we're gonna to see if we can recover from this
0: one. Mr. Bill Unreal.
1: Belichick should be on his way out the door. He Things. His ass should be out the door. Mac is a horrible quarterback. Is this the guy you want? What does Bill even do well anymore? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, Thank it is a sad day when your only touchdown was scored by a defensive back that you had to put in on offense because he's fast. Everything that went wrong last night are all things that Bill Belichick used to be so good at. Will somebody talk about Mac Jones? Somebody on the stage station- Talk about a bad Mac Jones. Oh, everybody knows Matt Patricia sucks. I'm giving the tickets to coworkers and I'm going to go home and fight with my wife. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that after the show. I'm jealous because I know that that's phenomenal. I haven't listened to it in forever, but I just remember that I already had that on there. But just imagine that. Like I know that there's that one guy on there talking about his wife or whatever, if I remember correctly. Just imagine that shit. But like saying Instead of saying that to like some local radio guy, but saying it to Mick like McDermott. That'd be nuts.
2: It'd be absolutely crazy.
1: It actually happened. Um, you know, th- th- this kind of does happen in college more often. It just happened to Dabo Sweeney in Clemson the other day. It went viral there where the, there was some dude who called in. Because some of these guys do shows with calls. Like, um, well, Jerry Jones does a show, but I don't think he takes calls. But I know Saban does one where he takes calls and Dabo Sweeney apparently does too. And someone called into the show and they literally just I mean, balls on this dude. But the the guy just calls in and says Dabo Sweeney. He's like It's like what the hell are we paying you eleven million dollars a year for to be this bad? And and Dabo Sweeney Ripped this guy a new asshole in the best way possible. He wasn't a dick about it, but he just annihilated him with words. Like, he destroyed him. He was like, you know, this this program didn't sniff a national title, basically, until I came around. We have two in the last, what, five years or whatever? It was awesome. So it it is it is uh it does happen to some capacity every now and then but pipe dream never have that
2: happen a guy
1: like mike mcdaniels though is a good example of like it being able to work well like i saw some mike mcdaniel i i love the guy i love him because i saw this like it's just another example i saw this video the other day of him getting interviewed and the guy was literally like he asked him the coaches in the league that he used to work with, who he'd rather marry,
2: kiss, or
1: kill. It was hilarious. Because I'm thinking to myself, this is why I like this guy. Because he actually answered, and his answers were funny, and they were smart, and they like made sense. And I thought the whole time, I'm like, you imagine asking this shit to Bill Belichick? Like, that's why I like Mike McDaniel. It's got nothing to do with the Dolphin.
2: I just like the guy um
1: bills and bourbon another round of super chats coming in for b&b he's saying if the bills were owned by jerry jones good lord imagine that shit show man that's a, that's a weird alternate universe I've never even thought about a, a you know, something like that i guess we almost experienced it to some degree with uh our boy DJ there, or whoever the hell it was. What was it? Bon freaking Jovi? Good Christ. The Bills were owned by Jerry Jones. He would be all over the media. Well, he would own... That's the thing. It's like, that's the weird thing, though, if he, if he owned the Bills. Like, he owns Dallas, and Dallas is a major, massive city with a lot going on. If he owned the Bills, he would essentially own Buffalo. Like, it would be a very odd... Scenario. Like Terry Pagula is a very hands off guy. I'd imagine there's a big portion of the fan base don't even know doesn't even know what the guy looks like. I would imagine there's a big majority of this fan base. If they were standing in line at the grocery store and Terry Pagula was in line with him, they wouldn't even know who the hell he is. Right? That's not the case with that's not the case with Jerry Jones. And he makes sure of it too. You know what I mean?
2: That would be nuts. You'd essentially own the town.
1: Um and that's what you're saying. Jeez, me and, me and Bill's Bourbon are on the same page tonight. He's saying, not a peep from Pagula. No faith that he will make the changes needed, a.k.a. fire a coach. The window is, in fact, closing. Honestly, man, I got to be honest. I, I, I'd rather have it the way it is with Pagula than Jerry Jones. The way Jerry Jones is, the way Jim Ursay is, I can't stand it. It, it, it. it makes things 10 times worse, in my opinion. You inflame the situation oftentimes when you're, when you're talking uh, about things that are not necessary in the middle of the season, like, you know, Jerry Jones going on a radio show and saying glory hole. Like, I I don't need that from Terry Pagola. I don't need Jerry Jones going on the radio and telling the public that he went out and got Trey Lance without even giving Mike McCarthy a phone call. I don't want to hear any of that shit. It's a bad look. And that's really all that comes from these guys doing that stuff. That's kind of why I want to. I want to have the streaming service because it would just be nothing but hilarious. Stop. None of it would really be. None of it would really be constructive. You know. So I get what you're saying. I think, and that's to the point I was making. Maybe there is something to be said about the the majority of this fan base probably not knowing what Terry Pagula looks like. Maybe there's something to be said there about that not being great. That I get but I'm much more in favor of the laissez-faire type ownership within the media in comparison to somebody like Jerry Jones or Jim or to me, the, the absolute pinnacle of ownership is a guy like Mark Cuban, who, yes, he's in the media, but he's a very, very smart, funny, understanding, reasonable guy who knows what he's doing every time he's doing it. I can't say the same. About Jerry Jones and Jim Ursay. Those two are loose cannons. For Christ's sake, Jim Ursay hired Jeff Saturday off the ESPN set to be his head coach. Mark Cuban ain't doing that, okay? And Jerry Jones just says anything. He'll just say anything for the for the sake of saying it. And uh, you know, and and Jerry Jones, despite the massive success. Uh, marketing his team and making them into America's team and the brand deals he's been able to secure for the league. And, you know, truth be told the, the NFL would not be what it is today without Jerry Jones. And I'm very respectful of that, of him. I mean, he's an icon, but you know, as far as running the, the the Dallas Cowboys in regard to the actual product on the field, it has not been very, very great. And Jerry Jones thinks he is a far better football mind than he actually is. And I think that that has cost this team at times throughout um, throughout the, the years here. He's constantly been chasing the glory days. He's never really come close to it. He's overpaid players that don't deserve the money, including Dak Prescott, in my opinion. Obviously, of course, Ezekiel Elliott's the most recent example of a guy that was just vastly overpaid. Um, he does stuff like the Trey Lance situ- you know, thing where, I, just to me, uh, you're undermining the, the chain of command on the team. I understand you own it, but you're not even going to consult with your head coach about a guy who's going to be on his offense. Um, He seems to constantly hire guys who will be his buddy, not necessarily guys who will be the best hire. There's a lot of things that go into that. I've had no issue with Terry Bagula's ownership with the Buffalo Bills. I know many people have issue with his ownership of the the, uh, Buffalo Sabres. And, to that, I think I understand. I'm not a huge hockey guy. I definitely enjoy watching, it, especially around the playoffs. I get real into it. But I'm not like a lot of people. Probably many of you in here who are nightly Sabres uh, watchers. But from what I've been told, it just feels and and this seems like it makes a lot of sense to me. It just feels like the Bills are the you know the golden goose, and the the Sabres were kind of the the side dish that came along with it, and they treat it as such. And that does seem to make a lot of sense. And And, you know, throughout the Pagula ownership here, the Bills have ascended and became relevant and prominent, and the Sabres haven't. And I'm guessing that's why they get the majority of the attention, and the Sabres continue to feel like they're neglected, and it results in... What's the the drought going on now for the Sabres playoffs? Oh, I mean, it's got to be what? I mean, I'm sure many of you guys in here know it's got to be at least... 12, 12 years longer, Ryan Miller days, right? I mean, it's gotta be forever. So it's funny how one fan base, who's the fan base of both fan bases, I guess, if that makes any sense. It's funny how I'm guessing a large portion of this fan base who are big Sabres fans probably can't stand the Pagula ownership. Whereas I think people like me who aren't really all that into hockey I'm guessing the majority of uh, you are probably like me, where it's like, you. I don't really have any issue at all with the Pagula ownership. It's been nothing but pretty damn good, the best of my lifetime, under the Pagula ownership. So um, maybe you would like to hear a bit more from them, though, like Bills and Bourbon is saying, but like I said, to, to cap that off, much rather have it be more like the way it is than the way it is out in Dallas or Indianapolis. Young Visionary, he's saying, would you take Ben Johnson as head coach? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Or do you have any coaches in mind? I don't think Ken or Sean will get us over the hump in this era.
2: Yes, I would. That's where I'm at. It's actually a good question. I didn't. Know if, I didn't think we'd get down here tonight, but whatever. We will. I want you to think about. I want, I want you to. I want you to step into this situation. Okay. You wake up tomorrow morning, look at your phone, and it says Sean
1: McDermott out as Buffalo Bills head coach.
2: What is your initial reaction? What's your initial emotion? I feel like mine would be, it would be a bit of sadness. I've grown to really respect,
1: admire, and like Sean McDermott, the person. Really have. I think he's an extraordinary man. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a great representation of the team, the city, his players, all that. I would be sad that that type of presence is leaving the organization. He's also been representative of the most success that this team has had in my lifetime, and you're losing a part of that, and I feel like that would be emotional for me. I would feel that to some degree, you know? But I get down to the football side of things. And if I had read that in that article, they are also naming a new head coach and say it was a guy like you're talking about here, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. My brain would flip from the sadness and I think, you know, the um, you know, the feeling for that him, the person. It would flip from that to I'm kind of excited right now. And that kind of tells me where we're
2: at if you would be excited
1: about an offensive coach hiring head coach hiring, does that mean there needs to be a switch? I don't know if it means there has to be. I just think it means that you're definitely not opposed to it if that makes sense. and I think that that might
2: be where I'm at. I think at this point.
1: But the thing is, you'd, you'd really have to have a great defensive coordinator to follow in with that. You can't just go out and hire a great offensive-minded head coach and then completely neglect the defense because then you're just trading one problem for another. So there'd have to be a lot of factors. But if we we're just getting down to the, the sole offensive side of things,
2: all I know is I've never seen Josh
1: Allen with, with a offensive head coach. And the thought of that sounds pretty enticing. The only reason I haven't given it a whole ton of thought is because it would be, it would come at the expense of losing coach McDermott, but I don't
2: know. There's some, there's something about that. There's something to be said about that. I think, but,
1: if they make the playoffs, it's not happening. McDermott's not going anywhere. And, you know, depending on how the year ends, maybe he shouldn't go anywhere. To me, it really is coming down to... It's coming down to Ken Dorsey. Josh McDaniels for OC. z what you think, says Al Bristol. No shot in hell. Keep that guy a million miles away from my team. Guy is a punk. I want nothing to do with a guy like Josh McDaniels. When I heard that story from Jay Glazer, I both laughed and got angry at the same time. Laughed because how pathetic could you possibly be to get offended by a guy trying to rally up the team by bringing up a loss that you had with the Patriots a decade and a half ago? Angry in the sense that how stupid could you possibly be to say that to him? After you're trying everything in your power to get the, the team riled up, and apparently that had worked, what he had said. I want nothing to do with that guy. Be absolutely pissed if I woke up tomorrow and the Bills hired Josh McDaniels for offensive coordinator. think that guy's a putz. When it's so bad, culture wise, that you have all your team captains get together and advocate for the coach to pretty much change the way he is, or he needs to go. Like it just seemed to like what just happened in Las Vegas. When you get fired in the middle of the season, not really necessarily because of the product on the field, but because of your shit attitude and character that tells me get, keep that away. That's cancerous. So to answer your question, hell no. Nothing to do with that guy. Let me know if you feel differently. I understand if you do. I mean, great offensive mind. There's no question about that. But at what cost? I mean, I think that guy's a, I think he's just... Uh, I don't know. I just don't
2: like him. Yeah, six Super Bowl wins speaks for McDaniels. Okay,
1: yeah, I get that. It, t- Tom Brady... Bill Belichick, maybe the greatest tight end of all time, numerous top end all time defenses. One of the most, one of the biggest overachieving, multiple, uh, you could argue two or three of the biggest overachieving wide receivers in NFL history Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. Guys that, I mean, for, for Christ's sake, Julian Edelman was a quarterback at Kent State. And in my opinion, in my opinion, I know it's a very rare, uh, or it's a very, uh, Frowned upon opinion. I think Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. People scoff at that. But I just think you cannot tell the story of the New England Patriots without Julian Edelman. And when you can't tell the story of the greatest dynasty in the history of the sports without a player, that player should be in the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, six Super Bowls speak for McDaniels. It also speaks for a litany of other guys that were surrounded with McDaniels. And I think you just saw... That that mindset of six Super Bowl wins speaks for McDaniels, I'm sure that's exactly what Raiders
2: ownership thought when they hired him. And that isn't the same way that anybody's thinking today. They couldn't wait for that guy to get the hell out of town. And this is the great – Brock's coming in here. This is
1: the part to me where it's like you can't just – like the people who are just like, fire McDermott. It's like you can't just do that. People look at one side of the coin in this situation, right? They look at the – they look at the offense and their struggles, and they just completely overlook the fact that if McDermott's gone tomorrow – Maybe this game last night isn't even a, there. Isn't even a chance for the Bills to win it on offense because the, the the defense is getting annihilated. I thought after the the Bengals went down, they walked down the field two consecutive drives to start the game. They really didn't do a whole much. They didn't really do a whole lot else the rest of the game. And three points in the second half to that offense. To to be able to stop that offense after that interception from Allen. To hold them. To 10 points after the first quarter. I think a lot of that has to be given credit to McDermott because I know for a fact that it has to be some sort of coaching with that personnel out there. You can't just walk out there and be that and be able to succeed like that without giving proper direction. Some of these guys out on the field, I mean, for Christ's sake, Rasul Douglas was, he was, Well, you didn't even know where Buffalo was a couple days ago. You know, it's just That to me is is the overlooked aspect of McDermott. It's why it'd be very hard to get rid of him. But back to the question we were talking about earlier, there would be the one thing to me would be there is just something tantalizing about the thought of an offensive coach with Josh Allen. But then again, that is also me sitting back neglecting the other side of the coin. That's why I said if that happens, I, who, who's my DC, right? Who's my DC? Because if you're just going to swap one problem for the other, then it's just, there's no point in doing it. If, if anything, it just adds additional problems, you know? But don't think for a second, there's not some sort of leash currently on McDermott. There absolutely is. I, I understand he was given the extension, but the we talked about this when it happened when that extension occurred was very evident that the extension itself was a management move to kind of mask over the bullshit with Stefan Diggs and the narrative that this team was kind of faltering or whatever the hell else it happened when it did for a reason things like th- Things in a league like the NFL don't just happen for no reason. A lot of this shit's very calculated. They do a good job making it seem like it isn't. And that's not to say that they weren't deserving of an extension. Like, I mean, McDermott's been a very, probably, my God, McDermott's the winningest head coach through the the amount of games he's coached in, 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 in team history. And he is easily this team's best coach after Marv Levy. You know, so... Like, yes, he was him and Bean were deserving of an extension. But it also, I'm not like trying to sit here and say they weren't, they shouldn't have gotten it. But what I'm saying is it doesn't mean they can't be moved on from if if necessary. And there is a leash there. You miss the playoffs this year. I would I would say if you made me bet on it, if they miss the playoffs this year, they keep McDermott, they fire Ken Dorsey. However, if you go into next season and you miss the playoffs, or you make the playoffs and get bounced in the wild card, depending on how it looks, the way it goes, the way it feels, then the conversation to me really starts being had, and it potentially could be had. The conversation could be had, executed, and he's moved on from. But I think it's a very rare scenario this year that it would take for these Bills uh, to fire Sean McDermott. That scenario being... If the bill, and I mean, you know, not that it's all that rare, maybe as we sit here today, but if the bills finish with a losing record, the bills finish eight and nine,
2: maybe, maybe. But I think that
1: the chess piece played, right, which has, there has to be a play. The a team like the Bills has a losing record and missed the playoffs, there has to be a move. I think the moves Ken Dorsey's canned. I don't think you can Dorsey. You know, you're not going to can Dorsey and McDermott. And let me tell you why. You're not starting over with this team built the way it is with no head coach, no offensive coordinator, and no defensive coordinator. You're not doing that. You're not doing that because a team that has been a perennial Super Bowl contender for X amount of years now, you're not doing that because they missed the playoffs once. You're making a move, that's for sure, and you 100% should. You're not wiping the whole coaching staff slate clean. You're not doing that. You do that
2: periodically.
1: You do that over time. And to me, like, the easiest move would be, yeah, Dorsey. Because like I just said earlier... Does it hinder the team to move on? I don't think it does. However, does it hinder the team to move on from McDermott? To me, the answer is yes. This defense, people are, people are not giving enough respect to the Buffalo Bills defense. I'm not talking about opposing teams or coaches or whatever. This freaking fan base. This fan base, as it stands, is not giving enough respect to this defense and Sean McDermott's role in this defense. Our biggest question this year was, was it Frazier or was it McDermott? And McDermott's got to go out and prove to us this year that he is the defensive mind that made him worthy of being a head coach. He has done that. He has 100% done that. And he has done it in a very unfortunate situation. Where you lose easily the best player on that defense. And in my opinion, the second best player on this entire team. You lose an all pro cornerback. You lose Daquan Jones, who is looking phenomenal. You, you don't have a cornerback, too. You're continuously losing guys for a game or two here, right? At Oliver, Greg Rousseau, AJ Apanasa, Von Miller. Like it is a rotating door on this defense everywhere. And like I said, and I'll say it again, this defense has been the reason this Bills team has been capable of winning every single one of the games they've been involved in this season outside of the Patriots game. If you're batting eight out of nine and the one
2: miss you had was also a game where the, the Bills had how many points at halftime? Three? You're signing up for
1: that on the defensive side of things. So... And this isn't an excuse, and you know I I hate excuses because we're almost three hours in. I haven't even mentioned this. But, you know, it's been a, if you've noticed, it's been a completely different vibe around this team ever since Miami. And I think it's no secret that this team has been done no favors with the loss of of Matt Milano and Tredavious White. But in my opinion, most importantly, uh, Matt Milano. I think it affects the offense almost as much as it does the defense. I think the offense has another level of confidence to him with Milano out there. He is that impactful. He is.
2: I had him as
1: like, I mean, I don't even, I don't want to over exaggerate and sound like a homer, but I think there was an argument to be made. Like I had him at like defensive player of the year and like at the worst, like in the top five of the candidates before he got hurt, he was playing that well. And that, of
2: course, was also bringing out the best of Terrell Bernard. So, that is one thing that you look at
1: and it makes you sick. I think this, maybe the best way to put it I would venture to guess this Bills team has one less loss on its record right now if Matt Milano was healthy. He's a good enough player to me where he's worth, uh, within nine games, he's worth a game, I think. And maybe you'd argue that that game might be the New England game, which I think would be be the best argument. Because I don't know if Mac Jones has the day he did if Matt Milano's lurking on him in the middle. So that's a factor too. Frankly this team just it, there's a lot of factors but there's all you know there's a lot of factors for a lot of teams. Um the difference between the Bills and a lot of these other teams is that they, these other teams like the Chiefs for instance who just don't look good. They don't look good. But you blink and it's like another win, another win, another win. The Chiefs also have a pedigree to back them up that the Bills don't have, okay? multiple Super Bowls, multiple MVPs for Mahomes and Super Bowl MVPs. The trip to the AFC Championship every single year Mahomes has been a starter. Like, you can rest a little bit on poor performances with the Chiefs when you have that backing you up. That's why it's like with New England, as bad as they've been, it's almost like if you're a fan, it's like, man, how, how mad can you really be? You know what I mean? It's like, shit. How mad can you really be? Tell you what, looking over in the corner a little bit throughout the night here at this Jets game and watching Zach Wilson a little bit. He has come a long way. Going up against him in a couple weeks isn't going to be like going up against him was in week one. I think that probably speaks for itself because of how uh, you know, thrown to the wolves he was in that game. But significantly better in every facet ever since that Chiefs game. It's not great football. Don't get me wrong. I mean, certainly not, but they're confident enough. And you want to know who they remind me of? They're almost identical to them. The the, the Jets and the the Pittsburgh Steelers are like the same team in two different uniforms, with two different logos. I just think the Steelers are better coached. I mean, that's not a slight at Robert Sala, who I'm not the biggest fan of to begin with, but it's more of a credit to Mike Tomlin. But... I mean, Kenny Pickett has been horrendous. Zach Wilson's almost an identical quarterback to him, in my opinion. They have a star wide receiver that they do not utilize enough, right? You have Garrett Wilson. You have Deontay. Who who is it? Yeah, Deontay Johnson.
2: Or no, it's George Pickens. Yeah, Pickens.
1: You have an unbelievable defense with an incredible uh, front four. And. Both like If the Jets win tonight, both those teams is inadequate as they look every single week, as inept as their offense is every single week. Both those teams would be 5-3 and three today if the Jets win tonight. And the craziest stat I've ever heard in my life, I think, has got to be that the Steelers, after winning Thursday night against the Titans, the Steelers had become the first team in NFL history to be outgained every single game. <laughs> every single game through the first eight games of the year and have a winning record. They're five and three. They have now outgained their opponent once. This is how, this is how this league is such bullshit, man. The bills have the, the bills have the highest point differential in the NFL. Those are the highest point differential in the NFL. They're five and four. The Steelers have not outgained their opponent once the entire season. They're five and three. This league is so fucked. <laughs> it's fucked. It doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't even make any sense? How is it possible? It's like, what? Uh, is not that? that's another one that's crazy, too. It's like shit, the bills... the bills have the best point differential in the league. They're a game above 500. I mean, obviously, you know where the majority of that point differential came from, but it's still when you when you say it the way it, when you say it that black and white, it's like Jesus,
2: it's crazy. The Steelers to me are the biggest anomaly in the entire sport right now. Question is, if the Bills play them today, I don't even know how I'd feel about
1: that game. They just find a way to win. It is the weirdest thing. Every week, it just seems like they've done nothing all game. They haven't had the lead the entire game. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter will come around, and they'll just put together a drive that they couldn't do all, week, all game long, score one touchdown, and somehow win the game. Bills and Bourbon, another one coming in, and he is saying, looking back, they should have hired an unproven first-time OC with a defensive head coach. <laughs> Who does
2: he learn from? Just trial by fire. Let's see. I see what you're saying.
1: I don't regret anything about what they've done. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't go back in time and change the hiring of McDermott. I wouldn't go back in time and change the Brian Dable situation because like what you're getting at here is Oh, they should have never hired. I see what you're saying. No, okay, that I agree with. That I agree with. That is a, I a I didn't see the never. Nope. You're dead on. You're dead on. Right? Because Because Dable was already established. Already established. But I I remember talking to...
2: I remember talking to
1: Matt Barkley at the time um, and Devin Singletary at the time last year, last summer. And I had asked them about Ken Dorsey. And above the fact that they told me that he was like a real spitfire type guy. Cause at the time we didn't really know shit about Ken Dorsey. And then of course you saw him explode in the Miami game last year. And I remember thinking, Oh my God, that's what they were talking about. You didn't even know that guy could do that. He looks like a scrawny math teacher. He's just absolutely having a fit up in the booth. But I remember them. I remember talking to them about Ken Dorsey cause I was very interested about their thoughts on him replacing Dable and, and, and why he's replacing him and, uh, if he thinks he's, uh, you know, adequate above all, you know, like, do I think, do you think it's going to be a good fit? And they all said that they had a great relationship with Ken Dorsey. I mean, Barkley told me that Allen had a great relationship with Ken Dorsey. Uh, you know, Matt himself seemed to really like him. You know, De- Devin didn't really have, I mean, nobody had anything bad to say. Everybody seemed to say that they, they, all, they all seemed to really like him. Um. So what I get at now is that I don't think it was ever a matter of not liking him or not thinking he was good for the job. I think at the time they had felt, we have a good thing going here. We should promote within the building and not bring out and bring anybody from the outside because we got a good thing going internally here. That's what I think the mindset was. I think Josh Allen was comfortable with Ken Dorsey. And I think Josh Allen, you know, probably wanted to be around somebody that he already knew and had a relationship with because he had already built a great relationship with Dable and probably didn't want to start over. Here's where I think we are today.
2: I'm trying to think of the best analogy for this. There's a different relationship that you have with your sibling and your parent.
1: And I think at the time, Dable's like your parent. He's your coach telling you what to do, when to do it, run this, run that, execute this, and he's in your face if you don't, right? The quarterback coach to me probably feels more like a buddy coach type coach. I mean, yeah, he's definitely coaching you up, helping you out when where needed, you know, little things. But I'm guessing that relationship is more of a free flow and fun relationship than it probably is with your OC. And that's probably the way it should be. And I think that's probably the way it is across the sport. I think that relationships change when the sibling all of a sudden becomes the parent. I'm imagining that the relationship between Dorsey and Allen today is probably a bit different than it was when Dorsey was his quarterback coach. And that's not a slight of Allen or Dorsey. That's just the nature, the nature of, 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 of life. I think you have a different relationship with somebody based on the setting that you're in with them, right? You all remember, well, not that it's right, but you all remember when you saw the substitute teacher in class when you walked in on a Monday morning and you felt, you were like, oh,
2: ah, oh, thank God, right?
1: Remember walking into class and you see the substitute teacher? Maybe it was one that you, I remember I, we had a couple that I loved back in the day. Mr. Orlando, oh my God, I loved him there were these subs that would, like, recurring subs. They would always be in the building, it felt like, and they were always filling in for somebody. And you loved it because one, either you really liked the, liked the substitute teacher and you did something fun when they were in, or if you didn't really know them, most of the time, you weren't going to do shit that day. You were just going to either, like, do a fun activity or watch Bill Nye, you know what I mean? Like, it was great. Yeah, well, you had a different relationship with the
2: substitute teacher than you did with the main teacher, you know?
1: I mean, I remember even back when I was playing lacrosse, you had a way different relationship with the assistant coach than you did with the head coach. It was always like that, and it's gotta be that way even at the highest level. So I'm wondering now if the relationship's a bit frayed because of the power structure. That's what I wonder. I think at the time it made a lot of sense, and I remember advocating for it. And I and I look back and I don't I don't disagree with any of the points I had in pursuit of the hire at the time. Because I had felt exactly the way I had just kind of articulated it, where I had said, it makes sense having a good thing going, promoting within the building. Alan's comfortable with the guy, he likes the guy, etc. But then again, of course, it, this has all been predicated on the outcome of it. If they if they went out and didn't miss a beat from Dable, no one would say two shits. The only reason I'm talking about the relationship between Allen and Dor- Dorsey right now is because the offense looks like ass. You know, I wouldn't question their relationship if they were out slinging the ball over the field, putting up 30-plus every week. The only reason anybody gives a damn about anything like that today is because of games like last night and the game like, like week before that and the week before that and the week before that.
2: Once again, though, and I say this every time, because the it's it's easy to take like the opposite of losing weight. You know, gaining weight's
1: easy, losing it's hard. Losing coaches is easy. Hey, buddy, you're gone. Gaining another good one, it, 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 the complete opposite of easy. You know, Brian Dables aren't being made at, at, at the Ford plant in downtown Buffalo. You know what I mean? They aren't churning out Brian Dables over at the General Mills plant, okay? You're not smelling Brian Dables in the air. So, there's no no evidence that the next guy is any better. The only reason I'm finally moving on from him is because I just don't think it can get, I don't know how much worse it can get. I mean, the Bills offense with Josh Allen is never going to look like the Jets. It's not. If you have a great quarterback, that's impossible. Like, it is. Bill's offense is never going to look like the Steelers or the Jets or, I mean, whoever. Just fill in any inept offense with a good defense. It's not going to look like that. when The the quarterback's too talented. It's never going to look like that. So then the question is, well, what's like that equivalent to a team with a quarterback like that? I think, I think
2: we're looking at it, right? I think we are staring it right down the nozzle, right in the eye
1: hole. So, like, because honestly, unless Allen just decides to have one of the worst career implosions in the history of the sport, do you see it being, like, way worse than what it is? Because I really don't know how much worse it can get going scoreless in three quarters against the New York Giants. okay? I don't really know how much worse it can get than having three points against the Patriots at halftime. I don't know how much worse it can get than, uh, you know, allowing Tampa Bay to have that game come down to a Hail Mary when that offense could have put them away a thousand different times. I don't know how much worse it can get than not being able to outscore Zach Wilson in the New York Jets in week one Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, okay? So tally them up, round them up, average it down. The answer is I don't really know if it can get all that much worse. If it can't get much worse and you don't know if it can get much better based on what you have, to me that kind of leads to a, a moves has got to be made type situation. People will anticipate that the move will immediately make this team better, but that isn't true. I think it's worth a crack,
2: but um, what comes of that, of course, is completely unknown.
1: And who that is, by the way, that's the other question. I don't have a guy in mind at the moment who would be the next offensive coordinator selection? might want to look you might want to look down at the college level. Uh, that would be probably where my mind goes. Cause you're not nabbing another offensive coordinator from another team more than likely. And you're not going to more than likely get a demoted head coach, unless you want to go get Josh McDaniels. who I just fin- spent 10 minutes telling you why I wouldn't want that. You probably got to go down to the college level. So back to the point bills and bourbon was making where it's like, do we want to hire a, an unexperienced guy? Well, that's probably going to be your only option. I mean, they're going to be experienced as far as being a coordinator, but the experience in the NFL is probably not going to be there. So, um, Holy shit, we're three hours in the bucks. That's that's crazy. And you want to know what's even crazier is the majority of you guys hung on the whole time. You guys are nuts, man. You're nuts. You're nuts, but I love you. And I appreciate you joining me tonight because you know, I gotta tell you guys, the first thing I think of after games like that is I think about Monday night on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. There's something about a game like last night where this um is the highlight it is to me see a game like last night. And I'm like, at least we got the smoke break tomorrow because I have an outlet to just let her fly. And I can't tell you how much weekly, I appreciate you guys coming in with me and we all kind of get together because misery loves company.
2: And we, uh we exercise
1: our demons and we, and we try and move on. And this week, we move on to a Monday-nighter. How about this sequence, by the way? We go from Thursday night to Sunday night to Monday night. We're doing the primetime tour. And we round out the primetime tour here on Monday Night Football in Buffalo. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, Denver Broncos. Bill's seven-and-a-half-point favorite, and they have to have it. Absolutely have to have it. And if you thought tonight was a three-hour rant, right, three hours of emotion and frustration and disappointment, Tell you this right now, Bills lose that Monday night, you're going to be in for a smoke break you've never seen. So I want you to know that if the Bills do lose that game, at least you can think immediately after you're going to get, you're going to get some of my life's best work or maybe some of my life's worst work. I don't know. But what I do know is I hope to God, I hope to Christ. Okay. That, 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 that ain't happening. Okay. I hope I come on here and have nothing but decent things to say. I don't know how overly excited I'll be. That's that that's the shitty thing about the quandary the Bills are currently in. You can only get like as far as the uh the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, you can only hit the lowest of lows. You can't hit the highest of highs beating the Denver Broncos. So, you know, you can get me coming on here next week and you'll see me at the lowest of lows. But if they win, we're gonna be at like a we're gonna be at like a, a medium octave where I'm gonna be like, all right. Okay, good you did what was asked of you do it again like from Miracle the coach and Miracle again 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 what I'm saying is I hope there's no need for any therapy next week get in here talk about a W because it has to happen it has to happen lose next week you know I'm not even going to say it again I gave you a million reasons and you already know okay <sighs> as I round this show up, by the way. If you're listening tomorrow on Podcast Forum, you already know what happened, but hopefully the Bills remain in second place, okay? Because I can't deal with another fan base like Miami's just constantly, I can't do it. And The Jets do it. I just can't. I can't do it. can't do it, okay? I can't even believe this is happening. See you next week, all right? Um... Thank you so much once again for tuning in. Like I said, this is always a highlight of my week after a loss like that. Always makes me feel better. Three hours it took tonight to feel a little bit better, but I do feel a little bit better. Hopefully we feel a lot better next week when I join the same time. Not same time, not same day though, Monday nighter. So we'll be on Tuesday. Rico will be on after the game. I'll take his place on Tuesday. So I'll see you next Tuesday night, 7.15 p.m. right here at Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Hopefully we're talking about a nice bounce back but in the meantime try and put this behind you the best you can i know it's tough and uh, get used to being in the hunt for a little bit i guess as sickening as that is i'll see you next week much love thank you again as always and as always again go bills